Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and with me, I've got Liam. In the words of Mitch. (laughs) (laughs) Fiona! Uh, and Mitch. Um, I have no words. I'm just feeling a bit persecuted right now. So it's a regular episode where they made another one, I think. Pretty much. <laughs> um, we are not checking out one uh, oft-installment forgotten in a franchise. Didn't say that right, but we power through. Fix um, it in post. Yeah, we'll fix it in post. I'll flip them around. Uh, we are wrapping up the third season of They Made Another One, the third year of they made another one is coming to a close which is pretty fucking wild we've been at this for a long time we've watched a lot of movies we've watched a bunch more of them i should have counted how many it was it didn't do that uh let me see if i can fix that right now live on air but in any case what we'll be doing is going through 51 movies i was able to find out so what we'll be doing is going through the whole of everything that we've watched since last july and doing our top 10 list of our favorite things from that um, chunk. However, if you've listened to previous examples of this, like our Invisible Man debacle a couple of years ago, um, these are subject to change. Even as the episode is ongoing, if somebody really kind of feels like they fucked up their list and would like to change it, uh, they can do that. Um, what is this Invisible Man debacle you speak of? Uh, well, I had listed it in a tie with a different movie down in like seventh place on a list, despite really feeling like it should have been much higher. And so we had to sort of decide in media res how that was going to play out. Huh? Well, at that point, you're rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. Yeah, you're pretty much bang on with that. But, uh, we're allowed to do that. If you'd like to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic today, uh, you can. And uh, we will sort of firm up a final rundown near the end once we've sort of done the debating and the deciding and the listing and the relisting and all of that kind of thing. And that seems fair to me. And, you know, if you've got a problem with it, whatever, man. Live your life. Um, we're going to start with the top 10. We will have a handful of honorable mentions as we do that. Uh, then we've got a couple different uh, things we want to rattle off. Uh, the bad ones, uh, the worst ones, the w- stuff that we hated. Um, best bit, which was left up to the interpretation of each member of this podcast. So a few different things in there. Most rewatchable, best soundtrack, best kill. And for some of us, we will be uh, crowning what the best breakfast update of the year was. But before we get into the lists at all, a whole other year of this show, huh? What the fuck? Flew by. Mitch is here now. I think it's our first whole year with Mitch. Because Mitch was on the last year. top ten, but but he uh he wasn't there for the one. whole thing. Yeah, my last top ten was kind of excruciating because I had a shallow pool to pick from. Um and you guys were going off and I was like, This movie I guess was pretty good, but I'm picking like a top ten out of like a twenty three or like thirty. So yeah, I think you had like all things considered, maybe you had like a top, a top two, Troll Two, yeah, and, um, Ace Ventura. 
Uh. Yeah, tough pickings. And I think this year, maybe more than any other one, and Liam, you tell me. Has, I'll tell has, you. Thank you. Sort of what a podcast is, I guess. Um, has been like I feel like one of the more diverse pools of movies to pick from, and one of the harder lists to make. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, I felt so confident in my first year list. Um, I haven't gone back to listen to it. Maybe I wouldn't agree with it now. But the first year we did it, I felt really confident. The second year we did it, I was a bit unsure about. I think some of the uh, the lower numbers, um, or I guess higher numbers, the the the. 10 to 7 range i think i was kind of flipping movies around but i still felt really good about like my top three because i was talking about stuff like um prom night 2 and i was talking texas chainsaw massacre the next generation i was still waving that flag and i felt really good about it um and the first the first year i had yeah the invisible man which i loved so much so my number ones were clear but this year i found my number one not as clear as i thought it would be and then i i found the higher end of the list really uh slippery like some of the stuff that's in my honorable mentions it would feel all right being a 10 a 9 or an 8 um mm. and i think because this isn't uh much of a genero year we generoed for a little bit but a big chunk of the year was each of us going around picking a movie we wanted to watch. And so every one of these movies kind of feels particular to us to a certain person and it was picked for a specific reason. And so it's left us with a very interesting pool of movies. So it, it was uh, quite different putting the list together. Yeah. More year. of a, more of a streamlined pool. It, it, it definitely, that, that was what I found difficult about it is that you don't usually have like the, the common genero filth that you have to like sift through where it's like, well, this one's a stinker that I'm not even going to consider. We had stinkers on this list, but, but far fewer. Yeah. I think the bad ones stuck out pretty significantly Mm -hmm. more. And if there were disappointments, they were at least interesting disappointments, Mm -hmm. uh, which I think goes a long way. Uh, Do we not want to waste any time here? Do we want to get into the list? Let's get right into it. I feel like it's going to be a long one. So I, I was joking just before we started that this is a top 10 list that mine has 11 on it um <laughs> and i and, and i told Corey just don't say the 11th one and you have a top 10 so yeah, don't say your 11th put it in honorable mention so let's do the honorable mentions later yes and start with our number 10 who wants to go first mitch well i think Corey should go first Corey, you never go first. yeah you know what fuck you Corey. oh fuck. you go you go Okay, so my number 10 pick, this was a surprise to me, but I think it sh- grew on me in hindsight. Uh, when a Stranger Calls. Wow, the PSP. The PSP. <laughs> you couldn't, you couldn't leave that in honorable mentions? <laughs> yes, Camille not. Bell, how could you leave her out? Iconic moments in uh, gaming history. That's <laughs> gaming, is that what we're calling it now? PSP, yeah. <laughs> that's what that's for. Uh, um. <laughs> Wow. Well, Corey, okay, real quick, before you yeah. talk about One a Stranger Calls, now I'm just, I'm dying to know, even though I've bullied you out of saying your 11th one, can you tell us what the 11 was that would have been right below When a Stranger Calls? Yeah, like, what is my number 11? Yeah. This was an even bigger surprise than When a Stranger Calls. This is why I wanted it on the list, I think, because, okay. again, I think in my memory, this movie got better than how I originally felt about it, but it was Child's Play 2. 
Huh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, because you you weren't high like on I that was movie. mid on it. No, yeah, you were pretty mid. When I looked at the full list, I was like, that was pretty cool, actually. <laughs> nice. And you, and you were fairly mid on One of Stranger Calls, too, as well. So why don't you talk but about that? I think what really sticks out to me thinking about that movie again is that we categorized that movie as being like a lot of potential that doesn't really feel like it's executed on fully. And I think really what it comes down to is the potential still makes for a really strong, especially middle. Um, I think the opening you can sort of take or leave, but I think the middle of that movie is really good actually. And I think it's doing a great job of really limiting, um, your access to the world around the character and building the house as an additional character, this comically lavish, ridiculous house. And even if we felt that Camilla Bell on her own couldn't like fully carry it all the way to the end, I I think that middle section, as I sat back and thought on it more, has a lot of really great moments and does meaningfully build some tension well. And, you know, she's like creeping around in the kitchen and gets out like a knife and it's got the lights that turn themselves on and it's sort of like using the house in interesting ways and i just like that a lot i think that it's a it's a very 2006 movie but it's it's stylish and interesting and i think that there are parts of it where she's quite good and the the ending gets kind of stupid obviously but um overall i think the potential of that package uh, as the fullness of the movie makes it better than it would otherwise be. And I know that sounds kind of silly, but I think what I mean is that the strengths of it go a further distance to making it good than I think we initially gave it credit for. Nice. You think you're you're going to revisit it to uh, see if this holds up? When I was looking at movies on this list, it was one of it's uh, certainly not my most rewatchable, but it was one that I was like, I would watch that again. Absolutely. Cool. And there's plenty of stuff on here that I wouldn't. So I'm down for a movie night of it, and we can get some popcorn, and we'll just get Night of the Commented. Where yeah, we'll be see like, if I'm just yeah, you know out what? Of my ass. <laughs> That's even worse than we thought it was. It could be, and you know, it I'm may- willing to bite the bullet on that because what's cool about this is we're doing it just sort of based off memory. So yes, yeah, I I have not seen any of these movies since doing the podcast some of the movies i had seen multiple times before the podcast but i don't think a single one i have watched on my own since recording so yeah it is a whole lot of memory which is fun but yeah that's uh that's my number 10 fellas very nice who wants to go next who we got this is establishing the order that we'll do the rest of this so you guys got to really think hard about this one all right liam i say you wow sure. authoritative Mitch is sort of deciding everything this time around. I so like turn. shots. No, no more Mr. Nice Guy. Usher and in the new season with this domineering force. I like it. Um, Usher is one of my favorite artists. It's fun that you can say that. <laughs> yeah. I love that episode of That's So Raven he was on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he doesn't have chance. anything bad about him, does he? Um, he gave out money with his face on it to strippers one time. Usher money. That sounds... Instead of sad. real money. I was going to say that sounds cool, but I realize the problem now as I said it. I realize the problem because like that's not fair for sex workers, but uh, the, I mean, if it wasn't real, that would be like a funny bit for a character to do in a movie. 
That is good. Maybe maybe it at least like, like a, a character from Entourage than... should have done that. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. It seems like a Michael Bay type character, like a real insufferable bastard. <laughs> okay, um, my number ten is uh, begrudgingly because this section of the list is really changing around for me. This wasn't ten a couple minutes ago, but I'm going to put it on record chest. here. It is uh, a very Brady sequel. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, uh, was it higher before now? Yeah, it was higher. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so, not, I, I won't bother asking what brought it down, but what's what's really what's bringing it into the top ten in the first place? Yeah. Well, it's just so it's really funny, really cute, really clever. I liked it more than the first one actually, um, because I think it it walked the the tightrope better in its jokes of uh, just totally hamming it up and um i i just had a great time with it really funny um and it's not so much that anything brought the movie down it's just the other stuff that i'm gonna mention i felt like needed to be pushed up and so this went from being maybe eight is the highest it got and eventually i just thought well this doesn't feel right as a 10 and this doesn't feel right as a 10 so i just i just had to shift it on down there but a very brady sequel and the original brady bunch movie which i think was probably around this area on my previous year's top 10 list they're just they're really cute they have great performances in them they're really unique comedy films um that is is not a it's not even that it's like unique to the the decade book or not sorry it's not that it is uh beholden to the decade it is like unique in the decade it came out in and it's unique now so they're just they're just really fun movies um and the sequel made me laugh a bunch some great jokes in it so i, I had to give it some cred yeah i'm all about it obviously i'm the brady bunch guy I'm the Jan Brady stand. You'd better be, Corey. You'd better be. If Brady's sequel is an honorable mention. I could never. I'll be shocked. Um, but no, like I, I think, yeah, it that in some ways, uh Brady sequels got like even better bits than the first one. I don't know if it's like as cohesive as the first one is. Like with the with the trip and everything, just sort of kind of being there. Um, but Man, there's just something really funny about like I don't know the movie. I don't know. I went. To, I wanted to pull something really specific, but just like such a good fucking movie, dude. They're so funny. That my favorite dis one of my favorite discoveries, if not my favorite discovery, of just like a thing to talk about and like be a ride or die for from this podcast might be the the Brady Bunch '90s movement. Like genuinely, yeah, yeah, yeah great stuff so funny the fucking lifeguards <laughs> stupid oh i forgot about that there's so much <laughs> i've forgotten too like even we're gonna talk about funniest scene later and yeah. i was thinking it has to be from the brady bunch but i had trouble remembering exactly what it is that made me laugh but i know while i was watching it the laughs just kept coming so i think like the sharing a room bit is yeah that stands out some all-time stuff yeah, Marsha, Marsha, um, that one's Marsha, right? The hot one's Marsha? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, because then there's Jan, right? Yeah, yeah Mar Marsha. Yeah, the hot is, one, Jan. Marsha, <laughs> Marsha, like, steals the show in that movie. And and Jan. They're, they're both, they're inseparable, really. Yeah. Both brilliant. 
Nice. Okay, so Mitch, ball's in your court now, bud. You All can right. only put it off for so long. Uh, okay, uh, Corey, you're next. Uh, just, just twelve kidding. was. <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so my tenth pick was A Nightmare on Elm Street Two: Freddy's Revenge. Nice. Ten. Yeah. Damn. We have different lists, different priorities. I will say one thing that is worth acknowledging is I think we are all about to have extremely different lists. Yeah. Um, totally. I picked this movie just because I thought it was like really fun. I thought some of the effects were great. It subverted a lot of my expectations and ended up being like uh, a movie with, like, with a lot going on and a lot to, to sort of say in a lot of interesting subtext, but also um, I think it's like a really effective horror slash slasher and some of the set pieces are really great. And I just liked the overall vibe. I love these kind of contained 80s movies with fantastical elements and this movie has that in spades. So I, I picked it because I, I really enjoyed it for those reasons. Plenty of other reasons too. Um, some of the performances are pretty are pretty fun. Uh, Freddie is great in this movie. Uh, yeah, it's just like a, a really memorable movie uh, in a franchise I intend to sort of uh, get more into and I, I really enjoyed it and uh, I intend to see more of these sweet yeah uh, hopefully we can do it in this coming you season you guys seem shocked that it's 10 Nothing I am say. shocked that it's no, 10 that's, that seems alright to me I mean like I guess I'm not shocked like relative to your taste but just like <laughs> but relative to Corey's taste <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't know Um, I mean I almost I mean I'm sure this movie's going to come up again we could probably bounce back on this one a couple times i imagine so i think so and, and before we go on and you give your your nine there Corey, um i, I should have thought of this earlier i would love if we each guessed what the other people's top one is we did this last year and it was a lot of fun oh yeah we it's a bit done easier it now so that we've, just... we've ruined ruled a bit out but we're all equal now no nobody's favorite uh will be anything that we just said presumably right because we've all put them pretty low so let's guess what everybody's favorite is. Oh my god! Um, okay, I'll, I'll go first. How about that? Because I've I've kind of been thinking about it. Um, okay, yeah, hit me, Corey. Your guess. Oh wait, let me let me write down what these are. Sure, put them in a locked box. And um, so my guess for Corey, it's it's a bit. We got a bit of an advantage here because Corey has actually told us two movies already. Uh, but I don't think I would have guessed Child's Play two. So. Um, it's okay. My guess for Corey's number one is going to be The Blob. It is in the box. What is your guess for Mitch? And my guess for Mitch is a bit is a bit tougher. I feel really confident about The Blob. Um, something could sneak in there because I know Corey, you know, he was so high on it when we watched it and sometimes recency bias is a thing and a movie fades off or a movie fades on like in the case of When a Stranger Calls. But I think... I think the blob kept its hold on you. Um, and my guess for Mitch, it's got to be a Mitch movie. And there are only so yeah. many of those. But of, those, of, of those Mitch movies, um, it kind of is tough for me to narrow it down as to what would be the number one. Because when I talk, you usually zone out. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that makes as, it even harder. That also happens when I watch the movies you pick. So <laughs> 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 um, No. Uh, Mitch's pick, I'm going to put it down as... Um, 
the silent partner. Okay. That's my guess. Mitch, do you want to make some guesses and I'll put them in the in the box? Uh, I'm going to say Corey's number one. Let me just look at the list. Um, I think it could be a Brady sequel. Yeah, that's fair. Um, he liked the first one more, though, and I don't even know if the first he, one was his number one. So Okay, he did. He I believe did, it was. Okay, I think it could be a Brady sequel. Fuck, it also could be like Nightmare on Elm Street 2. Mm-hmm. Um, think of the reaction he just gave you. Read into that. Think I'm gonna of say the it was timbre of his voice. Too. That's why he's so shocked that it was my tenth. And what about Liam? Liam, that's harder. Because again, I zone out when Liam speaks. Um, <laughs> wow, just when he speaks. <laughs> Holy shit. Uh, I think Liam's favorite was submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. No, <laughs> I do um, love telling stories with my boys. It is a good one. We gotta uh, do that again. Huh? Yeah, we should. Fuck. Uh, I have no idea. Um, he was really down with the blob. Ooh, wah, ah, ah, ah. yeah. And once you say it, Mitch, you're locking in my pick because uh. You know, maybe we when we didn't do this guest thing, I think Corey and I kind of jiggled around our two and one sometimes as we crept up. We had second thoughts yeah. and might have jiggled it. But after you say it, I promise to not do any jiggling. So, okay, we, we need um, an answer like family feud. I'm going to say Liam's favorite was. Fuck, I mean, like it could be funny games. Could be. He's really down with that movie. We do need an answer. Okay, I was gonna say funny games. I I I might change that though. <laughs> okay, well you can change it. Fuck. Once. Okay, funny games. Fuck. Funny games. Funny. It's in the box. It's done. It's in the box. I already regret that. Well, it's in the box. <laughs> Fuck. So I'm gonna do a bit of a meme answer for Mitch because it was right at the beginning of this season. Oh. But it's the most Mitch pick of them all. I, I don't know if that's true. You don't think this is the most Mitch pick of them all? A fan of the about opera to say? 1925. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say The Prisoner of Zenda for Mitch. Right. Oh, um, that's not what I thought you were going to say. What did you think I was going to say? I thought you were coming in hot with Sorcerer. Dude, that also was a great there. Mitch That pick. was up there for a second. Um, so that's my guess for Mitch. Liam is harder this time around i feel like there's a lot of stuff in here that speaks to me as really vibing with liam and i guess that's true because you've been adjusting your list quite a bit and my top so, five is fire so and your top five yeah i'm um yeah but like, i don't think it was i don't think it was something early i think it was something a bit more recent i think maybe something like uh you know invasion of the body snatchers probably got lost to the sands of time a little bit um I already know what I would change my guess to. Honestly, Mitch, I don't even hate your funny games answer looking at the full list, but I, I, I have a I have a new answer. What is it? Child's play two. Okay, so I'm gonna make that your guess now, but you can't change it again. Okay, okay. Where I'm locked in. Okay, if he's changing it, I'll say funny games. Let's divide and conquer. All right. I, I don't think it's funny games, but it's it's more fun to do it this way. What do you think it is? Um I'll put in parentheses what I think it might be. 
which is I don't know if we've ever done this, but it's dawning on me that your favorite might. You said the blob for me. I'm gonna say it for you. Mm, the Uno Reverso. Yeah, so I put that in parentheses next to my guess. So here's what we're working with, listener. Liam guessed for Mitch, the silent partner, and for Corey, me, the blob. Mitch guessed for me, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, and for Liam, Child's Play 2. And then I, for Mitch, guessed Prisoner of Zenda, and for Liam, let's call it the blob, but it might be funny games, maybe Mitch <laughs> okay, was on this Okay, game. wait, wait, wait. So I want to I wanna bully Corey again, top 10, top 11 style. Yeah. You got to pick one of those two, Corey. Funny games or the blob? The blob. Okay. I maybe I'm biased because we watched that together. <laughs> yeah. So I like I saw your reaction to the movie as it was on. It's true. These guesses would probably be easier if we were all on video chat right now and we could see each other's eyes as we mentioned these. I'm wearing sunglasses like a game of uh, Texas Hold'em. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my Daniel Negreanu. I've been watching a lot of police interrogations lately, though. I can read your body You've language. What? That's watching... a whole YouTube subgenre. Big time. Oh yeah. For, of true crime it's just like people who just like break down interrogation scenes big time like yeah. real interrogations yeah oh yeah oh yeah what yeah why because I, I guess it's entertaining for some people i don't know or informative because it's, it's like in like the youtube true crime slash like criminal psychology zone that's bizarre you know what it is mitch yeah like jim We're clearly in different nooks of the of youtube Corey. This I is mean, like all that's on my homepage. It's just they just recommend what? it to me all what the time. What do you mean? Yeah, no, we are in different zones. Liam, are you saying like Jim can't swim and stuff like that? Jim can't swim is great. There's a whole lot of trash out there, but he he's one of the there better is. ones. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's me, huh? Yes, nine. Fuck. Sorry, uh, Corey. What was your what was your tenth? I'm just filling in my list so I don't step on any toes. Uh, when a stranger calls. Right, right. That was shocking. I don't know how I forgot that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he that was, was flabbergasted. He was speechless. That's so funny. <laughs> um, I'm looking at my nine and I don't like it. Too late. <laughs> That's not true. Deck this chairs. Is, yeah, deck chairs on the Titanic, baby. As long um, as you don't make it your number one, you do whatever you want. No, I think... I think maybe I would genuinely flip where this and Child's Play 2 are. That's a big flip. What the hell are you doing over there, nine? Corey? Yeah, because, well, because yeah, but your 11 seemed decisively an 11 because you wanted to say know, it and not just honorable it. So how could this... Tell it. Yeah, tell it. What is it? Just say it. We already know that you like Child's Play 2 less. No, I'm going to so. change I've, ch I've changed it. I've changed oh, it. Oh, you just changed it. He likes I'm Child's gonna... Play 2 now. No, 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 no. It's not Child's Play 2. I'm just going to make the call and change it. Um, I know that sounds stupid, but like based on the list I was looking at, there were two things in nine. And then I was like, I could either flip it because I've already said Child's Play 2, but I'll replace it and put Sorcerer there. Right. So Sorcerer is number nine. Sorcerer is number nine. Child's Play 2 is still 11. That's correct. I had panicked. I had a brief lapse of judgment, but everything's fine. And, right. uh, so you were thinking Sorcerer would now be your 11, but you've decided against no, it. No, there was a happened? third movie there that's now just not being said. Oh, and it's going to be said later? Uh, It's off the top 10. Wait. What so the once, fuck is going you, you on? You just listed a bunch of titles. What the fuck is your ninth <laughs> okay, so, pick? <laughs> so let me explain. So I was looking at my ninth pick, 
And then the only change I had made between now and Friday was I put two movies there and I was trying to decide between them. Make it one. And then I was looking at it right now and I was like, oh, if I don't want to put one of these here, I've already said Child's Play 2. What if I just moved it up? And then I didn't do that because you Mm. guys said to not do that. So what I did is I just took one of them out of the nine slot and said one of them. Hmm. Right, well, so now it's an honorable mention. You couldn't pick ten movies. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, so it's sorcerer is the answer. The answer is sorcerer. Interesting. Cool. Well, what do you like it's about it? It's a little low. You think it's a little low? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Nine. Nine. Yeah. They drive across a bridge. They, they sure fucking do. Um, soundtracks by Tangerine Dream. That's doing a lot of the heavy lifting. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. I mean. It's still nine out of like fifty-one. That's good. I don't know why you guys are flaming Too me low. this hard. Um, do you want? Do you guys want to talk about it? Would you both say it later? Then yeah, bro. Okay, fine. Liam, what's your number nine? This is a very confrontational <laughs> list. My number nine is a uh, sorcerer. Is what? It really? <laughs> no, it's not. Really. <laughs> My number nine, um, I'm wondering if this movie has slipped through the cracks for you guys, if it's going to be mentioned at any other point. I truly have no idea. Um, it's Jack Frost 2. <laughs> Return of the what, a Mutant Killer Snowman. Is that what it is? You don't even know the title. I, I just wrote down Jack Frost 2. Jack I didn't Frost 2, Revenge title. of the Mutant Killer Snowman. Oh, yeah. Please talk to me about this movie, Liam. This so is awesome. I love this. this yeah, this was just... Uh, a really cool little gem that um, is total like C movie material, very schlocky, early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Um, low budget horror, but not trying to scare you horror, just like gory and like uh, I think there's some naked people in it, but it is all very self-aware. It it knows that it is schlock. It's really goofy. It ramps up the comedy. I I basically double featured this with the original at the time um, when we right before we recorded the podcast. So that might be influencing where I'm coming from a bit because I know that I preferred the first one to the second one, but the second one still has some really absurd likable just charming stuff in it like there's this snowball fight near the end of the movie where people are just being gored by icicles but it looks like it's like made in windows movie maker and they they keep having the the windows movie maker sound effect of of like drama that you would hear on youtube in 2007 that sort of sting um but yeah but it all but it all feels very um like the movie is in on the joke as well, and I really like that. I just I think that's very charming. I've been meaning to pick this one up um, on Blu-ray for a good long while because I think you know talk about most rewatchable. Um, I've only seen it the once right now, but I would love to have it in my collection and uh, show it to people or just put it on if I'm like eating a bowl of cereal at one in the morning. It's that sort of movie. Um, yeah. So just just a really fun movie. I I I didn't feel right. As of yet, you know, putting it way up on the list. Um, but I honestly, a, a movie like this is the sort of movie that often does end up way high on my list. And so um, maybe if we were talking about Jack Frost 1, it would be a bit higher up. Or maybe if I had seen Jack Frost 2 a couple more times, it would be higher up. But I did have to give it the representation because it was just uh, 
it, it was actually a delight of a movie, a great, weird Christmas movie. Um, and we just we don't see many movies like this on the podcast. We see a lot of low budget stuff. We see a lot of movies with bad effects and, and cheesy lines. But this one just feels different. It kind of feels like one of us made a movie with those elements. You know, I, I feel close to the <laughs> filmmakers because it just it feels very personal and, and approachable. And it's just a it's a cool movie. Yeah, I love that this is getting a shout out today. Um, when I was going back over everything that we watched and I looked at the list, I, uh, I, I remembered that one more fondly than I felt watching it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember being kind of annoyed watching it, but I was like, oh yeah, that was a pretty good time. So I'm glad that this is here. That's what I'll say. Sweet. Those, those little cursed fucking snowball children. I know they just keep playing with the rules about how this snowman can can hurt people. And, he can do and anything. In this movie, he can do anything. He does the movie anything. Needs him to do. <laughs> like, do you remember at the beginning when you get a a POV shot from I guess the killer snowman? You have to assume, but you don't actually see him. But he's he's in the water and he's he's driving up. Uh, he's swimming up to some people who are on a lifeboat because uh, I think their boat collapsed or something. And his voiceover narration sings "Slashing through the raft," and that's it. He just says, "I that. know, yeah, yeah." And then he just like, but like also, if he's in the water, is he like melted? Can he just like he can just. <laughs> And he can just turn to water at any time. Oh, yeah. He's a water monster in this movie. Absolutely insane stuff from uh, the mutant killer snowman, Jack Frost 2. Um, he's the sequel to the original. Um, Mitch, I can't help but notice you're not really chiming in on this one. Were you not a big Jack Frost head? Well, I, uh, let's just say I have I have some thoughts I want to save for later. Oh, I love it. Dude, if that... I will be in shock if that movie is higher on Mitch's list than Liam's, I'll be did, Mitch did like awe. the movie. I, did I remember. You love that movie, Corey. I, I remember. Know, but like, how? I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, is it your number nine, Mitch? Uh, it's not. No. My number nine pick. If you say Sorcerer, I'm going to fucking punch you through this podcast. <laughs> my number nine pick is Sor- the Funny Games 2007. Ooh. And why right. is that? Well, I've of the NASCAR, right? Well, I thought we had NASCAR. a really good episode for that, so a great discussion. Um, but outside of that, I really enjoyed this experience because I watched both movies back to back in uh, in like a matter of hours. I think I prefer the older version from the '90s, but I still had a really really fun time comparing the two in such rapid succession. It's something that I don't always have the luxury of doing on this show because you know time and lives and. <sighs> work um so, <laughs> i mean yeah i i really like this movie it was about as dark as they come with with some really standout performances from michael pitt and uh just like a mean-spirited like hard to watch movie that really affected me um and i thought it was a really interesting too i always enjoy when it's a movie where the director comes back to remake their work i think we should do more of that um yeah definitely yeah, so I I just thought that it was a really unique experience uh, out of this year and a really effective, fucked up movie. Um, so that's why it's on the list. I, I think like so it's were, not the NASCAR. So the, the no, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Like I think all in all, the German mer- version is a far or the Austrian version is a far superior um, 
movie, but I, I still really enjoyed this one. And I, uh, it's almost like when you get familiar with like a play and you see another adaptation and you still appreciate it, you know, cause you like the play. Um, yeah, it was just, it was just fun seeing actors that I like returning to those roles that I was familiar with and uh, doing their own spin and slightly different direction, but not drastically. So, so it was fun. That's why it's on nine. Fun games in that movie. No, there's not too many fun games in that one. I remain embarrassed about the the reaction that you guys had when I said I found the NASCAR distracting. (laughs) I will never live that down. I think about that still. Like that thought was popping in my head. I'm like, I can't believe I got roasted that hard. (laughs) Both barrels of a shotgun emptied on his face and you're like, NASCAR? (laughs) It's a race I had seen before. (laughs) I recognized it. Um, there's a lesson to all filmmakers you gotta be careful what you put on the TV after you've shot a 10 year old boy in the face it means it happened on a Sunday <laughs> the race was on um, <laughs> nice yeah that's a that's a good pick because it's Europe I mean it could technically be well actually no they probably do that thing live never mind forget I said anything they don't watch NASCAR in Europe oh that's right it's an American version see I'm tripping all over myself I'm fumbling and foobling. Fumbling and foobling. So uh, eight. My number eight is the last time I'm gonna bend the rules <laughs> that okay, we made. Thank God. Um, but I put them uh together because they're part of the same series. Uh I have Beyond Skyline and Skylines here together. Nice. Oh, nice. Why is that? Yeah, I mean, on the one hand, uh, shout out to friend of the show, Liam O'Donnell, for giving us a bunch of his time and talking through what it was like getting these movies made um, and sort of the process and sort of developing a franchise. That was a unique bit of insight that I don't think we had ever really had before. And I think a lot of people don't really get like um, there's a whole other sort of like process of movie making that happens on like that slightly smaller scale. And I'm really glad we were able to explore it but that aside um because we watched the movie first uh before ultimately getting him on and i just think that you know for what the goals of the movie are you will be hard pressed to find better execution of what the filmmaker wanted and you know i feel like liam said that as much to us but i think that beyond skyline was um both well executed for what the movie set out to do, but also like a very, very pleasant surprise, especially in a year where we had some pretty major disappointments. But I remember being really pleased with, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's got its tropes, but it's like, it's a relatively unique approach to what it's doing. And the setting is interesting. And I liked that core group. And then it just escalates and escalates and escalates. And it it doesn't waste a second of your time. And it really does make you connect with these characters, including Trent, who is just a big monster guy for most of it. He goes from teen son to monster man, and it it just kind of works. And um, I think Skylines, um, all of that's true, maybe to a slightly lesser extent for me personally. I think um, some of the seams are a little bit more visible there. Um, Certainly, like in that cave network, it's a little bit... um, Perhaps the budget is is doing the movie a disservice, but the cast of that fucking movie, man, is so good. And Skylines just 
is a really great take sort of like what you were talking about with um funny games it's not exactly the same but when you know what the structure and plot ish of a movie is going to be when you see it sometimes it's just fun to see an interesting take on that thing and this like we've got a crew with there's aliens we're gonna we gotta go uh get the MacGuffin for the aliens but that's executed in a really cool way and um lindsey morgan's great in that movie daniel bernhardt's the fucking dude in that movie um frank grillo in in beyond skyline is great and um those are really fun and having also like the martial arts angles to that as well there's just a lot to like in both of those movies and uh never mind the fact that the director's a great dude who was willing to hop on with us sweet dude basically everything you said except for the martial arts part I could have applied that to Jack Frost too. So I understand loving a movie for those reasons. Yeah. Uh, there's something really charming about low budget movies like that, that uh, still manage to achieve exactly what they want. Yeah. I think it, that, and especially going back and watching the original skyline and seeing where it went is like really interesting because I think beyond skyline and skylines are much better executions of a different thing than what the first movie's trying to do. Like, I think it moved in the direction it should have. And it was fun going over that and seeing that play out and hearing a lot about how it played out as well. just sort of icing on the cake at that point. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Nice, All right. Dude. Uh, Herr Liam. That's right. Okay. My number eight um, is going to be a movie that none of you guys guessed is my number one and and rightfully so because it's not my number one and if you had guessed it as my number one i would i might feel a bit worse for putting it down here but i've gotta i gotta follow my heart and it's uh eight is scream 2022 um otherwise known as scream Hmm. five this was really the wrench in my list where i i couldn't figure out where to put it at one point it was at 10 um and then it didn't feel right behind Very Brady sequel and Jack Frost 2. Um, so I, I, I had moved it up as far as 7. Um, but then I, I can't lie to myself. And I think back to this conversation we had just a week ago, two weeks ago. And um, there are things about Scream 2022 that, that kind of get on my nerves or just don't blow me away the way that I want them to. Um, but that being said, I I really like spending time with most of the characters. Uh, the format of Scream just plays right to my heart, so I love the I love the reveals at the end and the mayhem that ensues. Um, there's some really cool violence in the movie. I I like the way the movie looks. I think the opening scene is awesome. Um, so I, ha- I had to give it some love and I, I will probably, I mean, I will, I will absolutely watch it more in my life than a very Brady sequel and Jack Frost too, even though I bet I'll see those movies again as well. But this movie is just, uh, it's one that I, I've still got to, uh, investigate further, even after talking about it for two hours with you guys. And so, um, it, it just didn't feel right putting it any lower, but it also didn't feel right putting it any higher. You know, this is lower than Scream 4 was on my list last year, which is another Scream movie that I'm a bit conflicted about, but um, I still got to give it some credit. So Scream is right there at eight. 
I will say this, um, in case it might come up later, and because nobody guessed it as my first either, I'm okay with saying it. For a lot of the reasons you just said about like things not clicking fully and needing to investigate further, it didn't make my top ten at all. Nice, yeah. I, I, and I think wow. the episode being so recent is part of why, because we just unpacked so much about what made it feel okay not amazing and even though the good stuff is there like i couldn't talk myself into putting it on as much as i want to yeah yeah we only just we we kind of know how we feel about it right now because this is how we talked about it two weeks ago and none of us were that stoked on it it was it was a pretty negative episode even though none of us hated the movie it was uh it's just a movie that i think we we wanted to like more and and we didn't you know i i said that it would still be like a seven or an eight for me and that's still true like jack frost 2 very brady sequel those are both eights for me so i'd say this section of the list is are like eight out of tens um and i just i have to be a bit more negative for scream five in just because I feel like I have to explain why it's not a 10, which it was the first time I watched it, right? So it's a bit confusing for me. But uh, right here, it's it's at 8, and it is, it's like an 8 out of 10 for me. Yeah, that makes sense. Mitchie Poppins. Mitchie Poppins. So this one's going to blow some minds. I toyed between moving it between the seven or the eight spot, but I decided to be more controversial and put it at the eight. Mm-hmm. Um, for the eighth spot, my choice is... Is this deal or no deal? You ready for this? Yeah. The Princess of Zenda. The Princess of Zenda. I haven't nice. watched that one. Sorry, The Prisoner of Zenda. <laughs> okay, I, got, so, I got in your head, Mitch. The so I'm, I'm already wrong. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, I can't believe I said you're the buckler this. guy. You're yeah, the buckler the prisoner, guy. The <laughs> you are the buckler guy, but uh, to, to be honest, I never, I never considered that that would be higher on her list because I was like thinking to myself, "That's not that good of a movie." Mitch can't like it all that much, <laughs> and a lot. And oh, no, like to, mean... to be fair, like a lot of these movies you pick, Mitch, I end up being surprised you don't like them as much as i as i thought you would you know you don't love all these movies you pick for us you're just interested in them so i'm interested in them because they fit the criteria and they're an example of kind of people making other ones long ago and like that that how old this trend is and i do think that the prisoner of zenda is a a good movie um but i think it has like a lot of problems i think it's really clunky in places um i do love the performance from james mason and and uh stuart granger um but uh yeah i think it i think it has a lot of a lot of issues as well um but it is a fun buckler not a whole lot of buckling to be had until like the last act minimal buckling but when the buckling pops it does pop pretty hard when it pops it pops and i i do love like all the imperial sort of decor and how lavish of a movie this is i love sort of 50s blockbusters and how they they spared really no expense um but it's not uh it's not one of the best not like one of the best it's movies we peak. saw, but I I particularly like it, so I it had to make the list, but I knew it wasn't going to make it down to the top five. So that's fascinating. Yeah, cool, nice. So seven now. Can't believe I said the princess of Zenda. That's so offensive. To princesses, I've been there before, Mitch. No, I was I was I'm not even going to explain why I said princess, but I was having a conversation with somebody else anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh. 
the Princess Zenda is my favorite character in those Nintendo adventure games. I'll just I'll just say I was talking about the princess cut of diamonds, and if you know, you know. Are you getting engaged? No, I'm talking about a certain uh, diamond ad that I hear from time to time. <laughs> okay, I think I get it. Yeah. Um. So number seven couldn't keep this off the list. Are you fucking kidding me, dude? You thought I wasn't going to talk about the Fast and the Furious Tokyo Drift today? Mm, Get the fuck out of here. Nice. What more do I even need to say than just the name of the movie? (laughs) Genuinely. Like, dude, that movie's awesome. Uh, Revisiting that movie was everything I hoped it would be, which is that uh, I had a great time and yet feel completely unburdened by the baggage of there being nine other movies. Um. This is a good example of a sequel in a long-running series that works entirely in isolation rather than in concert with everything else, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, once you're in there, it's like, is everything being perfectly done? Maybe not. Is the lead actor a little bit stale? Maybe a little bit. But um, this movie's so fucking fun. Like, the drifting training montage, like, it's fucking rocky. And some really great um, performances uh, from everybody around our protagonist. Some really sick JDM cars. That theme song. What more do you want? Genuinely. Like, Bow Wow's car gets a big Hulk fist on it. Shit, man. Fuck. I don't know. It's Tokyo Drift, man. What else? I love that for you, Corey. It's some people's favorite movie of all time. It's at least one person's favorite movie. So Those people uh, are maybe a little bit too zealous. Yeah, someone um, write a letter to that guy who was on Love Island this season. Yeah. Let him know. I, I don't have too much to say about this pick because I wasn't here for this episode. And there's there's a few sort of crossovers like that where one person wasn't here that I think we'll encounter as we go through the list. Yeah, that does make the list a little interesting, though, I it think. It does, yeah. But, uh, yeah, no worries. Uh, Liam, set. Like set. French, French for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so <laughs> I, this one, I was... Uh, it's it's right outside my top five, and I find my list kind of has just outside like, the top six as well. That's true, but the top six I'm going to talk about in a second. That's included in this section where seven and six to me feel connected, not in terms of the movies I've picked, but just in terms of making a list. It's like eight to ten is the lower tier, six to seven is is mid tier, top five is top five. And, you know, I guess you right. could say top three is like S tier. Um, yeah, so, I get what you're saying. So my seven and six, I could kind of go either way. And so I'm, uh, I want to give them both props, but I've got to decide to give one more props than the other. And so I'm going to figure it out as I finish this sentence. My number <laughs> seven is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Oh, it's funny. I mentioned that earlier, wondering if it might show up. And here it is. Yeah, yeah. You said that it's one that might have slipped through the cracks. And yeah, because it was so early. So that was a really fun movie. I, I yeah. didn't. Yeah. Yeah, really fun. And it did slip through the cracks. So when I looked through the master list, I bolded all the movies that I thought would be in contention for my top 10. It ended up being exactly 10 movies. And so I thought, oh, this is good. I'll just rearrange them. Um, And I did that. I made my top 10. And then as I was going through looking for, um, you know, least favorites and things that might have the best soundtrack and stuff, I realized that I had 
overlooked Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I just scrolled right past it. Um, I had read it. I read the whole list, but it just didn't it didn't register in my brain. And then I thought, wait a second, that movie was freaking awesome. I think it's so scary um in its subtlety and relevant oh and so relevant yeah it's just it's one of those tales that i just love i love body snatcher movies and and i find it just creepy in concept but i also think that is it is so creepy thematically and can stand for um a lot of different uh it, it can mean a lot of different things on a grander scale i think this movie does that i think the performances are so good i think of uh donald sutherland and um his 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 uh romantic partner in the movie his 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 colleague there i don't know the actress's name but i i can see her in my head and i think of them and i'm right. they they held that movie down it feels a whole lot like halloween 3 to me which is um sort of a uh not quite a body snatcher movie but it is like another scientific um corruption movie uh where you're just following these people as they are realizing this uh this conspiracy and this this seedy underbelly underbelly that is happening in a place that they thought was safe and you just follow them as they as they discover all this terror that's going on and they're just normal people and they've got to make it through and so it's a really accessible movie i think um because it's a drama it's a thriller it's psychological it has sci-fi elements horror elements and so it means that you don't actually have to be a particular fan of any genre to like it you know i've said before that i'm not really a sci-fi guy but this has just a little sprinkling of sci-fi as just a little sprinkling of all these genres um but it feels very cohesive. And I just thought it was a great ride. I would love to watch it again. Um, a lot of the other movies on my list, in fact, all the other movies on my list, I can remember a bit more either because I've seen them multiple times or um, they just had more jumping out standout moments to me, which might be why this slipped through the cracks. But when I actually thought back to how this movie made me feel and the story it told, I can't deny that I I loved it and I want to watch it again and I need to remind myself to think of it more often because it is just a, a killer movie. So that's my seven. I don't think I could have said it better myself. So I well, won't thank try. You. Makes me curious what the six is. Because that was yeah. a pretty loving tribute to the seven. Mm-hmm. So it's only going to get spicier from here. That's right. Yeah. Mitch, can you say it better yourself? What do you got for number seven? My number seven is Diary of a Wimpy Kid at Roderick Rules. I knew yes, this was going to fucking King. show. Yes. Um, <laughs> yes. <laughs> it was, it, it's not number one, even though I'm a, I serve the king. And by, the, <laughs> by the king, I mean Roderick. Yeah, he rules. But um, no, iron I, if, fist. If, if there's one thing I like, it's being surprised. Um, and there's a lot of surprises in this show, but this is one of the ones that really sticks out to me for a number of reasons. I mean, I've always liked the Diary of a Wimpy Kid franchise. Not necessarily always. I really liked it when I was a kid. Then I kind of grew out of it and was like, ah, well, they're making so many of these Greg Heffley movies. I don't need to see any more of them. They but, made four, by the way. It's not that many. <laughs> well, they made a lot of books, too, you know. Um, so I was I was pleasantly surprised because I feel like I, I wasn't going to like this movie, but I turned out 
walking away from it feeling really warm and happy and like i thought it was an uplifting movie so it makes it on number seven there's some genuinely hilarious bits like the party scene and like all the little lies that he tells his parents to kind of get out of things and like how he, he like that chase scene through the retirement home. I mean, there's, there's all these ridiculous sequences that are a lot of fun. And and the talent show at the end is a really great way to, uh, ask your mom for eyeliner. Yeah. Just to end the movie, but that too, I guess. Um, yeah. So that's my number seven. Is that a surprise to anybody? Yes. Yeah. No, it's not. Not to me. I know that you loved this movie. Um, and I didn't think you loved it enough to slap it at number one. So I didn't guess it there. But this feels like a mid mid range Mitch movie. You know, I heard you talk about this movie for an hour. So uh, that lines up. I knew he liked it. But I guess I'm like my memory is failing me here slightly because I'm like, I wasn't I was thinking it was maybe like a 10 or like an honorable. So I, I'm a little surprised. Yeah, but maybe I, I just got to think a little harder. The Prisoner of Zendo, which is a bit of a, a surprise. That, yeah, you, you, I, I would be terrible at putting in a March Madness bracket with the way my guesses are currently panning out. Yeah, don't go to the casino anytime soon. I won't. That's an easy sell. Fuck that place. <laughs> so we got number six. Is that right? Yep. Is it me? Yes, it is. All right, fellas. A very Brady sequel. Wow. Nice. I want to put it I want to put it higher, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A lot of heaters this season. There's there are dude, my top 5 is fucking crazy. Like I couldn't I just couldn't get it any higher. But it's the top of this second half for a reason. It's fucking hilarious. And the fact that they essentially caught lightning in a bottle twice is just incredible to me, man. Like the scene where they're sharing a room and they're each on opposite sides of like a curtain and they both have like a sex voice on like a sexy voice. So funny. And just like the needless sexual tension between uh, siblings, you know, a little much that fucking sequence where the guy comes to their house and they're all like, Oh, it's our real dad. And he's here. And they're all just like sitting on his knee and like asking for advice. And he just hates it. Like the fucking lifeguards, um, man. I don't know. It's just really funny. What more do you want me to say, man? Everybody's on it. Lightning struck twice. I'm glad I changed my guess. Yeah, we're really doing some upsets, huh? <laughs> With the, some of these guesses. My guesses are still in the mix. I feel good. Your guesses are still in the mix. But yeah, I don't have a lot more to say than that other than it's hilarious and people should watch it. And maybe I'll have to buy its poster as well because I already have a framed full-size original print Brady Bunch movie poster in my room. Maybe. Liam, take it away. We're going at a pretty good clip here, huh? Pretty good pace. Yeah, we're moving along. We're not wasting any time. They're like halfway through or just about. And there's still, well, there's still honorable mentions and there's still other stuff. But uh, we're probably going to gush about our faves quite a bit. But, you know, you so. fellas, if you want to breathe, no sweat. But yeah, Liam, if you've got your number six all sorted, all ironed out, you had to look at it a little bit. Are you OK? You OK, just, yeah. No, I just had to breathe. You um, had to take a lap around your apartment. <laughs> yeah, I had to. <laughs> they say uh, you have the clearest head when you're breathing 100 miles a minute. 
that's famously that, true. That means. Yeah, um, well, it's that thing where like anytime they had to make like World War in World War Two, anytime they had to make like big like the D Day plans, what they would do is they would run suicides back and forth across the office room that all like the generals were in, and they would just yell the loudest like what they thought the best plan was. Yeah, I mean, you guys are actually, and both, that's how we defeated the Nazis. You guys are actually both wrong with your guesses for my favorite sequel because my favorite sequel is World War Two. <laughs> way better than the first one (laughs) (laughs) the great war i don't think so baby (laughs) just you wait to see what they got in store for the sequel (laughs) you know what they say about trilogies (laughs) anything goes yeah we're still waiting for the third one are we i think we just live in a constant state of it Yeah, I don't remember. Maybe maybe their their greatest trick yet was making it never end. <laughs> so we would never know when we could finally decide which was the best one. Yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Buy they... war bonds. <laughs> it was Einstein who said that the fourth world war will be fought with sticks and stones. I'm still waiting for that caveman throwback. Uh, six. Liam, right? Yes. That's right. Yeah, I'll tell it. <laughs> I'll tell it right here, right now. My six, which could have been number seven, but I, I just had to give it a little bump. Right outside the top five is A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's oh, Revenge. Oh, no shit. That's a little low. Yeah. So it's there. Um, That's honestly, a it's sort of the opposite of the Scream issue where we were all just so stoked on Nightmare on Elm Street 2 um, that we were just gushing the entire time and I'm, I don't remember how much negative stuff I said. I might not have got all of it in that I actually feel because there is some stuff in this movie that, that brings it back a little bit for me like um, while I love um, oh I'm blanking on his name Mark something I'll the, pull it the, up if you want the, yeah sure the, yeah you just do it uh, Mark Patton yeah. Well, I I I love um a good chunk of Mark Patton's performance like when he shows up after um uh feeling like um Freddy is inside him and he goes up to Kim and he's like he's he's in he's in my body like that that is amazing. But um there are some s- smaller scenes, not smaller scenes, but like quieter scenes in the movie where I I don't buy him as much. Um and I think some of the kills, while being fun, are a bit extraneous. Um, like the the coach kill, who just gets whipped by the towels. Like I think I think that's funny to talk about on paper, and it's cool that it's in the movie. But I think the movie is is a bit plodding um, at at some points. Like it, you really you get that coach kill. And uh, then it's like people don't really die until you get to the third act with the the party and the scene and Grady a silly, and stuff. Yeah. Um, and I do love that party scene. Um, but I th- I think the pacing in the movie is just is just a bit off for me. That being said, um, I love the uniqueness of it. I love that we have a male lead, and um, I think it is a very unique performance. I love the way Freddy looks and acts in the movie. It's my favorite um, portrayal and makeup of Freddy in the series. I love the surrealism of the movie. Um, that just it makes it really fascinating i love 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 the bond between jesse and kim um and their their friendship um it it walks this really cool line between like platonic and um 
romantic and even though they kiss at the end i think it's it still really does feel like just a beautiful friendship and i think that's really cool um and it's just a it's just a really good time it's a very unique horror movie um yeah i think it is a scary horror movie i think freddie gives it his all in the movie um and i think it is a really cool thing to do with a sequel like the the original nightmare is my favorite because it has that cohesion and the pacing really hits for me but um there's stuff in nightmare 2 where it's like i like this more than things that are in a nightmare one like together they just make a perfect double feature um and i think it's a really special movie so it's right there at six um i like this movie nine out of ten for that movie we're not at the tens yet nice solid nine nice i will say uh you make a great point this discussion is discussion of that movie i should say is what made me realize how rare the male horror protagonist really is and obviously the final girl is like the established trope but like then you really start thinking about it and you're like fuck man like they really don't do that like ever <laughs> yeah if it does happen you've got a female lead right there beside them and uh while that does develop throughout this movie you know no one would tell you that uh kim is the lead of this movie it's clearly jesse and uh that's that's really cool but it does i think it does both to a degree but definitely jesse is the, mm-hmm. is the he's that dude yeah, yeah th- there's a bit of a switcheroo in the third act where you start dealing with Kim more because Jesse has has turned into Freddy. But uh, I think that's that's a really and cool that's switcheroo yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. That, that in itself is, is uh, yeah, I think it works really well. Well, uh, number six. Um, for me, I guess. Yeah. Um, that, before, yep. <laughs> before we get to that um okay there is just one little thing i need to do you're gonna uh, get up and leave like at the plugs at the end but could you moment. imagine no way nice dude i'm waiting for the beer buddy sound <laughs> there it is there it is. Okay. There it is. So and it's just appeared on my phone too yeah my right sixth pick is Cape Fear. Oh, Ooh. I didn't even see that one. Yeah, oh, yeah, you were there you know, for I, it. yeah. Um, I had no way to assume that was coming. Wow. But I've always liked this movie a lot and I think the discussion that Liam and I had has to be at least for for me I think it's one of the stronger ones that we had all year. Or, or at least for like for me I thought we had a really excellent um really excellent discussion on this movie and there's so much that i like about this i mean you're just in the hands of, a, of an old master marty but he's doing something which is a little bit off off brand sort of like a a violent sort of disturbing psychosexual uh thriller and it's it's a lot of fun it's uh disturbing at times it's creepy it's uh You've got some really uh, charismatic performances. The whole movie is rife with with religious allegory. Um, I think it's a really interesting movie. And for that reason, it's on my number six. I think Robert De Niro is excellent in this movie. And the supporting cast is really good, too. Joe Don Baker as a private eye. Extraordinary. And I just really enjoyed the discussion that Liam and I had. I think Liam and I had a few really fun ones where it was just he and I. And likewise, Corey and I, I think, had at least one. Um, 
Well, we at least had Phantom of the Opera. We at least yeah. had Phantom, yeah. But, uh, you know, Liam and I also did VHS, like a, a, an entire franchise retrospective, which is a really fun episode. And it's I'm always... hoping that comes up on somebody's list because I'd like to hear about it again. <laughs> yeah, no, I had a really good time doing that one. So I'm, I'm picking Cape Fear because I think it was a better discussion and a better movie. Um, but I really like that that whole episode so it's my sixth <clears throat> nice mitch yeah i i think of that as one of my favorite episodes we've ever done too i thought we were uh we were very uh very serious very, very literary on very on target we got into some deep talk about the movie because the movie is doing some deep things and i also thought it was a very fair critique of the movie and i thought we also gave credit where credit was due um that's one of that's one of my favorite episodes too. So if people haven't haven't seen that, um, I would suggest checking it out. Uh, the movie and and the the podcast. I uh, I still can't believe we've gotten to talk about Marty twice. <laughs> he loves the sequels. He yeah. loves them. He can't There's help it. Ones we could do too. Yeah, like the Irishman's the sequel to Ireland. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that joke. That's about the reception that joke deserved getting. It wasn't very Yeah. <laughs> Boo. Boo this man. So we're into the top fives? Top fucking fives, dude? I should have waited for my beer buddy now. Oh, I wow. am very curious. Now nah, it was right on target. Um, I am very curious to see how these shake out. I do not necessarily think we will have very similar looking top fives, but I'm prepared to be wrong. We haven't had very similar lists this far at all. Um, <laughs> these have been radically different, which I think is really cool. I think so too. I mean, I think it's it's indicative not just that we were picking movies um each of us as we went along, but also just that uh we got a well-rounded panel here of yeah. uh of of buddies, of beer buddies. Guys and, being dudes. And uh yeah, it makes for it makes for interesting talk and, and interesting episodes. We're just a good fucking podcast. Come on. Hell yeah, dude. Um, but my number five into the top five um we're getting into uh another very another pleasant surprise we had a mix of disappointments and pleasant surprises i think this one was very much one of those uh shin godzilla is my number five interesting oh that surprises me Corey. that's the biggest shocker for me yet honestly it is uh, it i is. didn't really like that movie Dude, that movie's awesome i yeah, don't know I, I didn't think you really liked it i mean i knew you liked it i didn't think you really liked it though when I thought about it again, it kind of maybe it had a bit of a when a stranger calls effect, but again, such a unique execution on your like kaiju movie. Like, there's something so endlessly fascinating about interpreting Godzilla through the lens of like disaster story. response and like political bureaucracy nightmares, and you know just trying to do the the right thing for people um and how difficult that is when you're managing um different egos within politics but also different branches be that you know the military and then politics and whatever else and i think it does a really astute job sort of painting that picture of like a system malfunctioning and the cost that has on just people's lives and i think that it it feels astute now, but it also just makes for a really refreshing take on a Godzilla movie and just sort of like a disaster movie in general. A lot of them don't do a great job sort of addressing this. And it's also got really interesting stylistic flourishes 
um, that I think stuck out in my memory quite a bit. Good movie. Sweet, dude. Yeah, I'm, I'm, it's cool to hear it brought back up. Um, it's been a while. We don't mention that one all that much. It is a really cool approach to the Godzilla movie for sure. And it's the Evangelion guy. Everybody loves that. That's for Keiki. <laughs> Everybody loves it. Everybody parentheses Keiki. So uh, we're into Liam's top five now, and I'm very curious to see where this goes. I'm curious to see where it goes too, Koi. Um, Because once we're into the top five, things are really heating up, and it's like, how do I put one movie above the other? Um, It's kind of tough. I mean, you guys know it. You're you're perhaps dealing with it the same as I am right now. So my number five, um, which could be higher, and it couldn't be lower... So I think that's that's a testament to its it had strength. to be five or higher. It, it had to be five or higher. And uh, I don't think it could be higher than four. So this is another little batch here. Um, but I, I'm, I, I guess I just got to commit to it and say it. My number five, and I'm sorry it's num- not number four. I truly am, is uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Interesting. What? what? Are you fucking kidding me? Liam and I kind of like arrived on a similar path with this one. I thought during the discussion. Oh my Um, God. It's number five. That seems high. It seems like it's gone. That stock has gone up in your estimation. so much higher than I would have thought. How well did this age? Dude, it's uh, it, it it's it's not that it's aged since we've done the episode. It's that <laughs> the growth from my first watch before we did the episode, where I huh. really didn't like a lot of it, and then by the end of it, I was like, "That was there's something going on here," and I'm laughing at the movie. Is this intentional? And I watched it again before we did the podcast, and uh, I loved this movie. And I think I say as much on the podcast. I compare it to Next Generation. Um, I I think this movie is hilariously fun. I think it is it is just incredible. If I were to put on um, any movie from my top ten right now, I think I I, I think I want to watch this movie. That's um, what did I? How like that's I, being hit with a cinder block? I feel like I misread how possible this even was. Like in my brain, like this wasn't even on my radar as potentially happening yeah which is uh wow kind of surprising like i get why you feel that way you know because uh you weren't crazy about the movie core in fact yeah i'm certainly gonna buy it's like i very much did not like it yeah and and mitch mitch was closer to me um yeah mitch mitch liked the movie i loved the movie and then you know because of that it's like i i haven't brought it up all that much but i think about this movie a lot Um, a secret lover (laughs) uh, i i really love it i think um the reason it's at five and not I can't wave the flag all the way up is that um, I could do without the school shooting plot. Um, yeah, not necessarily the best executed thing. And yeah, not the best executed. I'm okay with it. In fact, um, I, I'm kind of drawn to to movies that that have that as a topic. Um, I, I think it's really fascinating but it's also very easy to exploit um and while this is an exploitative movie through and through in 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 many aspects and i i like exploitative movies um exploitation movies rather um i think that is it's a small enough segment of the movie that i would have rather they either 
gave it a bit more thought as to how they're gonna how they're gonna deal with it and what they're trying to say about it and if the rest of the movie is saying that thing or they could have just taken it out and put either put something else in or they would have been all right without it um but besides that i think the movie is just an incredible slasher movie i i love basically every single kill i think that it goes to so many wild places and i've i've seen the movie twice but even after the first time i watched it um i found it really memorable in the kill department i can remember how each character gets offed i love the setting of this small town um that they go into and uh we've got um it's mostly a ghost town with these really lively uh gen gen z types um i think the actors are charismatic and i think they walk an interesting line of am i supposed to like these people or not i heard that a lot of reviewers found it really easy to hate them um but i didn't think they were as hateable i i thought that they were actually pretty realistic and pretty compelling um and I think that this movie also reintroduces Leatherface to the world in a really interesting way. I think this movie takes the piss out of uh, reboots like Halloween 2018. Um, there's an amazing scene in this movie. I, I, don't, I really don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil a lot of these movies we talk about just in case people um, are using this as sort of a, uh, a guide to what movies or what episodes to check out. But there's an amazing scene in this movie where a character from the original shows up and uh, the way that that character, the way that their story goes, I think it is incredible uh, in terms of uh, just pure entertainment. And I also think it is incredible as to what it is commenting on um, within the movie and also within the horror genre in general and uh i think this movie is just a damn fun clever good time i think it's just a, a pure horror movie um not in terms of it's a terrifying horror movie just in terms of like this is a this is a get a pizza and watch um some carnage unfold uh in spectacular fashion and i and i really do think that there is extra meat on the bone here to make it not just a jack frost 2 tier i think that this has flourish um visually i think uh the acting is good i i really like um the way that the story pans out i think it's a terrific ending um i i just think it is a a movie that is already very dear to me. Texas Wait, you said Chainsaw Tex- Texas Chainsaw Two had a or the this one the the latest Texas Chainsaw had a good ending with the, love, with the automatic with the self driving car. I love that ending. That, yes. that ending was so so fucked. It is so fucked, and the that that ending is what like secured me having to be like, wait, I have to watch this whole movie again because I think I thought this movie was doing something differently. I was rolling my eyes for most of the first run through. I thought it uh-huh. was like yeah. self serious, and and I don't think it is self serious. I think it is totally taking the piss, and I think it's it's 
awesome. Well, I'm, I'm going to have to just take your word for it because I don't think I'm going to revisit it. This is maybe the biggest shock that we'll get today. Uh, who knows? I, Unless I your next answer is Candyman. <laughs> oh, God. I, I ha- To be fair, Corey, um, I said earlier that I haven't seen any movies since we did the podcast. That's not true. I have seen Candyman again within the last month or so. And you so. really saw it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Yeah, I worked through yeah. it at work and looked at it very closely. So we'll see. I guess we'll see. Yeah. Damn, All right. Okay. I, guess it's, I guess it's top me. that, uh, Mitch. <laughs> Sheesh. Okay, my fifth choice is "A Star Was Born" (1954) by George Cukor. Okay, um, yeah. I don't think that this is a really surprising pick. I'm surprised we haven't heard it yet so far because it seemed like you guys both really love this. I'm movie. surprised. It's. I'm honestly, again, I'm surprised it's only five for you. I was prepared to. Have it in my upper echelon of guesses. No, I feel like the next ones might rock your shit. Um, I, I think you're about to. <laughs> Mitch is about to say like uh, Troll Two four times. Troll Two, Troll Two. Even though it's the last season. No, I, I did did my list. Run, um, but I picked this movie. I think for reasons that speak for themselves. I, it's a it's it's a wonderful a glimpse into sort of a, a type of celebrity that we don't see anymore. Um, and so just the, that alone makes it a fascinating piece. But it's a really, I think, uh, heartfelt drama with some authentic performances uh, that kind of emulate uh, life in a lot of ways from, uh, in the case of Judy Garland as the lead, who is uh, just gives a staggering performance. I think probably the finest of her career. And that's a career of many fine performances. Um, but it has that sort of self-reflexive quality that that um, is kind of spooky where, you know, the uh, celluloid and real life kind of intersect. And I think James Mason is also really extraordinary. That one Jimmy scene where Mason. Like, give me an Oscar. I need a job. Just a job at the Oscar ceremonies. It's just heartbreaking. And I'll always remember that scene. And I'll always remember the scene where he walks into the ocean. And it's a really memorable movie. And I think it has a fascinating production too. You know, the fact that it is in many ways a lost film because uh, some of the, the film was thrown out and never found again. So what you're left with is the rushes and the audio to tell the story and you kind of have to piece it together. And so you only get a glimpse of what it might have been. But with what you're left with, you have just a really powerful, hard-hitting drama that I think still really holds up considering its age and uh, some really memorable musical numbers too. It, it has it all. Uh, drama, it's heart, a production like, design that's levity. really yeah. fucking cool. Extraordinary production design. Um, you know, like they're they're sort of like chic beach house that the last act is set in, and some of the the sets that are for the musicals. And again, some of like the more abstract musical sequences in the movie are uh, so memorable. Or the scene where Norman Maine shows up to the awards ceremony or the the premiere of his movie, completely fucking hammered. And, and uh, at the at the very beginning, that's a wonderful scene. Um. So yeah, it, it's my fifth movie, and I think it's a it's a solid choice. I could have put it higher, but uh, well, I'll let you find out why dude, I didn't. These lists later. are these lists are wild. Yeah, I'm I'm losing it, dude. Um, I I'm about to fucking surprise everybody. <laughs> I think. Texas Chainsaw twenty twenty two. <laughs> um. No. So my number four is A Nightmare on Elm Street two. Freddy's Revenge. Okay, I was close. Ooh. Look, the the between my top four, it is a game of inches. 
That makes that makes sense. Like four sounds low, but to think, uh, like that that's just only three other movies that you really loved. And and do I think yeah. you loved three other movies? Absolutely. Yeah, there's very little between the movies I have left, and we've already talked a lot about what makes um, uh, Nightmare Two so good. But the other thing that I'll mention, and we, obviously we talked about it a lot in the episode, but like it's nice that uh, with all of the the gay text and the gay subtext, that the movie has a lot to like discuss even now, and has that unique element of being such a a brazen example of, of representation though, though slightly indirectly, I guess if you were looking at it the wrong way at the time, but that's just such an interesting element to it that obviously they're still, they're still interrogating, making documentaries about and people are writing about and everything. But yeah, I think, I think, I think it's my favorite nightmare on Elm street movie. And that's saying a lot because I, I, when I watched the first one for the first time, and I think Liam can attest to this, but like I was in awe, like I was flabbergasted that, both that I had somehow missed the boat that hard, but at how good that first movie is. And I do think that maybe there's enough here to make me like this one more. We've talked about some of it, but I think Mark Patton is great. Really, really good. And as we've already said, just a good example of a kind of character and certainly a kind of lead that you don't always get in a horror movie, not just because he's a dude, but like, he's sort of very like, like he's 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 fragile certainly emotionally but even just like he's kind of slight physically and he's sort of unsure of himself in a way that sort of comes in how he's carrying himself and how he deals with his family and like he's got the confidence at school which is usually something that like the character would lack to put them at odds with the people around them but he's kind of got that and there are just so many unique elements to it and like freddie looks great um really cool movie i love that movie man but uh yeah, that that's one of the ones where I spent a lot of time wondering if I wanted to put it higher. Um I I ultimately didn't, but this could as easily be third, second, first. Like it's very close. Nice. I'm excited to hear what else you got. Um Yeah. Yeah, because that was you spilled out your love for that movie all over that episode. Yeah, and it's you all covered there. It with love. Yeah. <laughs> but uh yeah so that's uh that's there and you know again maybe if i had to think about this list a little bit longer than a week maybe it would have made that leap a little bit higher and maybe like in uh by the time i'm making the tweet of this episode going out i'll be saying how wrong i was but four for now but a close four nice what about your four liam my four is uh is also a close four. It's close to five, but it's not close to three. It's fun funny how that works. Um, but this just got the edge over Texas Chainsaw 22. Um, Crazy that that's your five. That's insane. It is... Uh, <laughs> yeah. It is Child's Play 2. Yeah! What? The Chuckster. Fuck. Okay, the both, both of my Chuckster. guests just died on four. <laughs> <laughs> died on the vine. Uh. Yeah. Uh this is very enticing. This is so people don't change the channel. This is making um, me wish I put Child's Play too higher. The fact that you put it higher, it's making <laughs> me kind of wish that I had. Fair, yeah. Tell me about it. Uh, do, do you also feel that way about Texas Chainsaw 22? Because no, you should. No, it no d- sir. deserves a real valuation, that one. I don't know. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get you on that boat one of these days, Corey. We'll try again. Yeah, we'll have to see. We'll Ch- have, Ch- the Genero <laughs> picks it again. Oh, gosh, yeah. The general quotation marks. <laughs> Some tampering in the in the machine. I slipped William 
William Genero a five. Twenty bucks. <laughs> no, he's cheap. For him, a fiver is worth a lot. Yeah, inflation like a and picture all. of a funny skeleton. <laughs> Deal. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Child's Play two. Um, just such a cozy movie to me. I I love the way it looks. The it has a very strong visual style. Um, it's it's it the interiors are shot from down low and it, it really communicates the uh the child's play idea i would say maybe even better than the first movie it makes it makes me feel small in this world it makes me relate to andy better than in the first movie and i think chucky really comes into his own in this movie he gets to be present throughout the entire thing and there's a bit of that black humor that the child's play franchise would go on to really dig into, but um, it's still very, uh, very horror based, um, especially as a kid, you know, nowadays, I think the, the idea of a killer doll um, as old as I am now, it's, it's not as scary. Um, and so maybe these movies don't get, as much credit from uh, just the casual horror fan because they, they're they scary for a period of time and then they're maybe not all that scary anymore. And so you're, you're going to have to be like a slasher fanatic or like a, a big Chucky fan to really be into these movies. But if I saw this when I was a kid and I stayed the hell away from this movie because Seed of Chucky, the, the comedy movie Seed of Chucky, absolutely traumatized me. If I saw Child's Play 2... I, I might have been I might have been absolutely bodied. The the final act of this movie, um, the climax that takes place in the toy store, that is like straight out of the pits of hell. That is absolutely Dude, it's gnarly stuff. Yes, so terrifying. Um, so visually strong with all those Chuckies in the boxes. Um, and the melting goopy yeah dude and it's it it does the horror movie thing that i love in a climax where you think the movie is over and then it just keeps going it finds a way to just topple on itself and ramp up and it does it over and over um and i think it's a great climax to a movie that is really emotionally strong i love the relationship between andy and his um I guess it would be foster sister, his older foster sister. Yeah, she's awesome. She is awesome. Great fashion. Um, yeah. And and I and I really love Chucky's character in this movie too. The way he's like lurking around this house, um, and he uh, is like burying the other Chucky doll um, beneath a swing. And there's like some Hitchcockian elements there of suspense, where you know this doll is alive, but no one is believing Andy. Um, and you've got that, that plot of, of the parents who don't believe the kids and the kids have to rally, um, in order to take down this evil. I just think it's, uh, just a great, great horror movie. Um, really rewatchable. Um, and it's above Texas Chainsaw because I can stand behind it wholeheartedly. I don't think there's really anything glaringly, um, misplaced or bad about it you know i had a couple criticisms on the on the podcast that i still maintain um like i wish the the mother got a bit more uh fanfare before she dies um but all in all it's just it's 
horror movies don't get much better than this. Uh, they get a bit better because Child's Play 2 is a 9 out of 10 to me, but... So we're not in the 10s yet. Not in the 10s. From here on out, we'll be in 10 territory. Child's Play 2 is a 9, um, but it's a great 9, and uh, it really made me appreciate the franchise i was working backwards having seen seed of chucky first and eventually i got to this one um and it it didn't grab me right away Uh, on second watch is when it really it really blew me away um i think it's a great film yeah the reason i struggled with where to put it on my list is because it grew in hindsight i think Mm -hmm. yeah i definitely was kind of on aspects of it before but i totally get you yeah, because on, on first watch, I thought you would love this movie, Corey. So it makes sense that it has kind of appealed to you in hindsight. Yeah. And I'd be interested to hear what you think about it if you ever watch it again. Yeah, I want to check it out again. We're making a list of stuff to rewatch more than anything. <laughs> We've got to do a sequel season of They Made Another One where we just redo just the whole season, just redoing all Oh my the God, every... I thought you meant like... Like if we went back in season four, was we rewatched every movie from season one in order? Like, and I was like, I don't know. That sounds like a bit agonizing. But I think if we did like a greatest hits, maybe that yeah, could be, be fun. That has legs. Yeah, I'm down to flirt with that. Yeah. Um. Speaking of flirting, hey Mitch, what's your four? Wow, uh, I'm so glad you asked. My fourth pick is Looney Tunes back in action. It's that high. nice dude wow Uh, okay um that was the movie that was almost my nine (laughs) okay um Uh i picked it for a number of reasons a because i haven't seen it since i was a kid but it was one of my favorites i actually recently just found a notebook in like a box of old things my parents are moving so i'm going through all my childhood effects and throwing them all in the garbage and crying while i do it um But I found this old Looney Tunes back in action notebook and I was like, ah, I used to love that movie. And then I started thinking about it and I was like, you know, it is a, it's like a pretty good movie. Uh, but I didn't place it <laughs> so much for the quality of the movie, even though I do think it still holds up. But I placed it here because of how much fun I had doing the episode. Um, Chaz, it was, baby. It was a great time doing it with Chaz. I had a great time with Chaz. We need to have him back on the show. He's a delight. Um, so. I put it there as my four because I just had a really wonderful time doing that episode, but also because I just had a really wonderful time revisiting all these old childhood memories too, and just sort of talking it through with the boys. So that's why it's my fourth pretty short explanation. Nothing that I'm going to, I like, I could talk about the finer points of that movie because there are, but it's a bit movie. It's a movie of like bits that I enjoy. We can talk about NASCAR for the second time in this episode. If you want. No, Um, I'll hand it over to you for your number three already hang on yeah anybody, I mean, does anybody have any follow-up well, let me talk what? to you for a second for a second Corey. city hall cory what are the odds that this guy is going to agent cody banks us dude i've been thinking about one. that i've been thinking about that a little bit and i was like no there's no fucking chance he did troll to us last year i know but like he couldn't right you no, think right? not? There's no way. There's no, no way. it's the London, mm. Ontario of well, possibilities for your but, one to three. Let, let me put London it this way. Ontario? <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> I don't know. You remember the joke we made? Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, now I do remember that. Oh, look, I guess you can't like the movie that much if you don't remember that conversation it we was, had listen, with your, Corey, with your whole a, family. Fuck you. It was an episode <laughs> laden with bits. And you're just gonna say it. it was the London, Ontario thing. Like, That's I an say, iconic bit. 
I don't think it was. Yes, it is. No. Ask Devin and Paige about it. Okay, I'm going to just text them London, Ontario and see what and they fucking laugh. say. They will fucking laugh. No, I guarantee be like, within, <laughs> Agent Cody Banks, within do I forgot? Within Cody, it's obscure minutes. and obtuse and you're wrong. Within Tell five me what your third pick is. Within five fucking minutes, Devin or Paige will respond in the affirmative. I guarantee it. You're dead wrong. Okay, do you want to bet? Do you want to bet? <laughs> I don't wanna... I'm going to send London, Ontario in the group chat right now, and we'll see if they say Agent Cody Banks. They will. Okay. What's the bet? Um, just the fact that you acknowledge that I'm the best human being ever. Sorry, Liam. <laughs> Those are pretty low stakes. I'll take that bet. You could have made right. that anything. Hmm. Sure. No. I, mean, I, I didn't. I didn't remember London, Ontario. I could just be like, "What are you talking about?" See, See? and I, I'm. I'm sure as shit, Devin and Paige won't remember. They will. I'm optimistic. I'll put it on tape. That's how optimistic I am. All right, I'm sending a message right now. London, Ontario. Do you want me to give them a, like a prompt or just say London, Ontario? That was what we said. So London, Ontario. Okay, send. I'm gonna send a screenshot of it right now. Okay, I guess I'll give you my three. Yes, in the meantime, I'm dying for it. I was screaming for it. Uh, it's it's it's. Oh man, it's your boy, Cody Douglas Banks. <laughs> it's a it's magnificent obsession. What? What do you mean? What? I'm shocked because I I know you like it, but I didn't think you were like that into it. It's Douglas Sirk. What do you mean? Yeah, I didn't think you were that into that one either. He's that dude. <laughs> I love Douglas Sirk, but that's interesting. I love Douglas Sirk. Yeah, man, that movie's fucking awesome. And it's I think it just says a lot about Douglas Sirk that it's not his best movie and it's still number three. Yeah. Like, oh man, um. Perf like not perfectly executed. That's a little bit exaggeration, but like, melodrama. Yeah, it might be. such a well executed, tonally just spot on melodrama carried by some really really exceptional performances from Rock Hudson and Jane Wyman. Otto Krieger <laughs> become such a huge Rock Hudson fanatic because of Douglas Sirk's movies. And uh, no exception here. I don't think it's the best he does in a Douglas Sirk movie in general. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jane Wyman as well is just so good in this movie. I don't think it's and, her best Sirk either. But it's so good still. Yeah. Oh, it's great. That's not a oh, knock against man. it at all. And um, just watching that relationship sort of flourish in 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 such a strange way and such like born of such recklessness, but then being photographed so beautifully with that unreal technicolor and just this exceptional look and just this very like human connection. That's melodramatic and very sort of beyond in a lot of ways, but just the connection that those two people have feels really palpable and watching it grow over time is just so fascinating when you get to later on in the movie 
where the the romance is sort of in full swing and they have that trip to Europe for the eye surgeons, but just like the the romance and like fancifulness of that mm-hmm. trip is so beautiful. Them driving like, with the rear projection through like the Swiss Alps. Yeah, yeah man. Like yeah. there's just so much of it that is so great. Like even down to the poster. Like the yeah. poster is so good, dude. It's so good. Like Mark Hudson being vulnerable, putting his uh, his head in, oh in my Jen God. Ryman's lap. It's a beautiful poster. Dude, and like just I feel like that movie makes such a great like if that's Douglas Sirk when he's not at full powers, like just what a testament to his filmmaking. But yeah, watch no, written on movie, the wind. <laughs> written on the wind dude fucking written on the wind all that heaven allows dude also a banger also that a- movie's so good dude uh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> dude uh i loved no i loved magnificent obsession i'm already destroying my room just thinking about it <laughs> i'm just tearing my fucking house apart yeah. thinking about how beautiful this movie is you haven't even asked um, for my plugs and uh, something that I think, like something that I think, kind of escalated over just a smidge over something like nightmare. On I just saw your message not looking good. Um, something <laughs> about um, <laughs> it, it that put it over nightmare for me for now is that it's something that's like a bit newer to me. Like I've always kind of had like the interest in like the eighties horror stuff, but like this was such an exciting thing to start getting into in the last couple of years. And like, this is just the one we got to talk about in the podcast, but like any Douglas Sirk movie that we would have got to would have been very, very high on this list. Mm did it did it resonate with you guys as much? Like I, I, cause there's so much shock that it's all the way up here. Absolutely not. Um, well, yeah, it didn't really hit you. I think I remember less about this movie than any other movie f- from the season. Damn. Really? Yeah, yeah. I'm just not hugely surprised by that. It's though. not even. It's not bottom five for me because um, s- there are other movies that I remember because of my dislike. Um, but it, this one did not did not hit at all. It hit for me. I feel like my picks are going to be your entire bottom five. I, I have a feeling that, like, have any of my picks... Mitch, been... your upper hits have been psychotic so far, so... Yeah, I did make this, like, a couple minutes before we started, so, I mean, keep that in mind, listener. Liam, I don't think a single movie I've picked has even made your list. Yeah, we'll have to do the full rundown once we're... Once we're we'll read the top ten and get a clear view, but I think you're right, dude. Well, I, no, 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 Nightmare 2 is That wasn't me. The Great Equalizer. No, that was me. Yeah, you you had Nightmare Two on your top. It was like your ten. No, I mean like anything that I picked out of the season has made your list. Oh, I see. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers seems like a Mitch pick, but I think we just generated that one. No, it was you. Oh, did I pick it? Eh? Yeah, you How might have picked it, or it might have so been Genero. Well. But I think it was your Genero. I don't know what it was. I feel there, like that's I, not I, a Liam pick though. Your Genero is just like you got cursed that way. I, I, yeah. I might have. I might have picked it. I, I, I was interested in it, but I it might have been a Genero. Yeah. Have to play it back. Um, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah. No, I, magnificent obsession. I feel very strongly about it too. Dude, that um, movie's really. And good. I, I had Dude, a really Douglas hard Cirque time awesome. when I was when I was making my list trying to figure out where it might go might go so oh so it might come it might pop up yet it might not we'll have to see yeah 
might be in the trash where it belongs. Might, wow. Let's wow. not say that. That's, that's, Dude, you said Texas Chainsaw 2022 is your number five. Yeah, you don't get an opinion I'm getting, You have I'm, no leg to stand I'm, on here. I'm getting, I'm getting back at you for not being supportive <laughs> of me. You started it. I don't want I don't want you to finish it though. Okay, what is your number three? Magnificent obsession. <laughs> no, no. Um, my number three. I was certain this was going to be my number one for a good long while. Um, and I'm kind of offended none of you guessed it as my number one, but I guess you just know me better than I know myself because it's it's not my number one. Um, House of Wax, huh. 2005 yeah. is my number three. Um. I love this movie so much. I have a poster of it in my bedroom, Corey Price style. Um, I love the setting. It's it's honestly kind of Texas Chainsaw 22 vibes, which is th- these teens, college-age kids, just show up at um, uh, this rundown, creepy ghost town, um, and they explore it, and they end up finding death. I love that premise. I love how 2005 the movie is um, with the actors and the uh, the grit. You know, it kind of looks like it's like the movie is soaked in rust. Um, I, again, like Child's Play 2, this movie has a climax that is just gangbusters. I, pr- I prefer the climax to Child's Play 2 where the house of wax is melting Um and they're trying to climb out of it. They're being pursued by a killer. And this house of wax is just crumbling to the ground in spectacular fashion. I think it, it looks like a blockbuster in that sequence. And it's just incredible. And um, outside of that, I think that the movie gets a whole lot out of this small town. They go to a theater. They go to a church. They the explore the house of... Amazing. You love the movie. theater, hey? Yeah, yeah. The best sequence in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, they go to the House of Wax before it's melted, and that is a really interesting set piece. They're in the woods, um, you know, kind of a camp movie. It feels like a road movie at some points because they're uh, doing, they're getting a ride from one of the people who lives in this town. Um, a very suspenseful scene. Uh, it has a couple flaws that I pointed out in the podcast. Like I think the, there's a brother character who's sort of wasted in the movie. And while I love that the, the, the two leads, um, uh, Alicia Cuthbert's character and Chad, Michael Murray's character, who are both just two thousands goddesses. Um, they actually play <laughs> brother and sister. They play twins, which is really cool to me. And I think this movie um, gives weight to every single one of its slasher characters. And and I love hanging out with them. Um, but I think just a couple times, not throughout the movie, but just a couple times, the movie forgets that they're brother and sister. And it feels a bit too sexually tense. Maybe you can't help that because Brady they're Bunch. just both very attractive people yeah and maybe we needed a sequel where they could have just gone okay everyone sees it we're gonna lean into this and they're gonna get sexy with each other but we never got a sequel um but i think it's uh if those are flaws i think it is an it is an imperfect masterpiece um i just i love spending time with it i think on the surface it seems like a typical 2000s by the numbers remake that was coming out around that time but every time i watch it um it reveals itself to me as something much greater i think the climax is the biggest indication of that 
and that's what made me love the movie but um now as i've watched it again and again and paid attention to the other sequences as well i think it is a very thoughtful carefully planned out movie by the director of orphan another great 2000s carefully thought out movie um and so I just love it, and I thought that it would be number one just because it is such a me movie. Um, but when I looked at the list, I I just couldn't do it. Um, but it is a 10. That's a 10 out of 10. Cool. That's awesome. I think um, my favorite catchphrase of yours is imperfect masterpiece because I always think that when that comes up, it, I think it's a very interesting way to talk about some of the movies that we get to that really hit despite not always working a hundred percent. Sounds like and the I, name for a YouTube video essay. <laughs> but I appreciate that you're always like willing to really throw your support a hundred percent behind those, even though like, cause I feel like it's a helpful way of acknowledging that it's not necessarily going to be for everybody as well is a helpful way of sort of thinking about it or that it's may not sort of click necessarily all the way but that like when it does for you it really doesn't i just i like how frequently that seems to happen yeah that's um i've grown into consuming movies in that way in the last few years um when i make lists or when i rate movies i'm not interested in rating them (laughs) honestly uh this is the core of my being i'm not interested in rating them as to like how technically proficient they are um i find a lot of reviewers out there whether professional or not um they will be like well this movie had really nice uh camera work it was made by a really respectable director so i can't give it any less than you know a five out of ten or something or otherwise they'll be like yeah i give this movie an eight out of ten because it is uh considered a classic and it's it's a uh, really formally sound but they'll be like but i do not like this movie but i've got to i got to give it an eight or i've got to put this movie high on my list because um it's it's just considered a great movie and and i don't think those people are like just following the pack or anything but it's i'm uh i'm just not really interested in um sharing my opinion in that way because if we can all agree that a movie is great then it doesn't interest me i think it's like you you might as well not have it on your list if you're just having it on your list because um it is agreed upon to be great even and you don't think it's great i would rather i think a movie is great because of my subjective opinion i don't don't want to rate movies based on any sort of objectivity because i do not have that so um yeah house of wax is a subjective 10 out of 10 and uh that's all that matters i I can't say what it is objectively because uh i gotta be me i'm your man it's like Corey in the house um no that's awesome that's that's like i think that's a very astute way of putting it and i think it's the right approach to have kind of generally speaking um Mitch. So speaking of uh, right approaches, my third pick is Agent Cody Banks 2 Destination Line. <laughs> Motherfucker. It makes I sense that they're back gotcha. to back. I was just afraid um, it would be number one after Looney Tunes, but this is okay. No, no. Um, I think... You're not being serious. <laughs> what do you mean? How? <laughs> what gives you the right? What gives you the right to say so, London, Ontario, man? Oh, by, by the oh, way... By the way... 
they both got back to me and had no fucking clue what you were did talking you explain about. It? Did you explain yes, it? Yes, I did. And then they said, I can't wait for the next sequel of Agent Cody Banks. But that was after I explained it. So here's so, the thing. God forbid I remember a really funny joke we did. I don't know why I'm being flamed for that. Well, uh, I'm only flaming you because now you have to say that I'm the best person ever. Okay, you're the best person ever. Like you mean it. I From did your diaphragm. It. Oh, you're you're the best person ever. <laughs> you, you insult me, sir. You insult me. <laughs> By the end of the episode, I'll do it for real. I don't even want it from you anymore. I don't That's even not want true. I don't even want your gratitude. No and the bet had no stakes. We got to do something. No stakes. All I wanted was authenticity. And you gave me nothing. You showed me the kindness you'd show a dog. <laughs> okay, Agent Cody Banks. To Destination London again, a sort of a nostalgia pick this year. I'm 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 wearing the glasses of nostalgia, or I'm wearing the glasses of hastily preparing a list. You be the judge. Um, but I think that this is one of the best episodes we've ever done. I think it is the best episode we've ever done. Fuck, it's so funny. <laughs> um, yeah, it was it was wonderful having Devin and Paige on. Great great energy in the podcast and i think that's one of the reasons why it was the best that we've done um it was it's just it's funny too because it's such a good one man and it was it's a very personal episode too i I think in that way because it means so much to us in, in our childhood and there were great bits in that episode like video now and it was a welcome trip <laughs> down memory now, it is so fucking funny. yeah yeah so funny and um it was a welcome trip down memory memory lane to, to see things like, like video now, but also just to, to revisit all of that. And I was astonished with how well the comedy held up. Like it is a, still a funny movie, still an effective movie, a really well paced movie too. Um, and so I, I genuinely love that movie and I think people should revisit it if they're just like looking for something to do. Um <sighs> making this list was hard but i knew that i i thought that that was like the best episode we've ever done so it had to make the top three um but yeah a, a delightful movie all around and just wonderful supporting cast um a great climax which i know some of you guys weren't sold on with the cross cutting and like and all of that with uh with them singing like war huh what is it good for and they're fighting in like the queen's armory and it's fucking sick um but i really like that not everybody else did but i think it's a a genuinely great film um so it's my third pick nice dude that's what i'm talking about when i say i want to hear people's subjective lists and and views and that's great that's a great top three that's a great number three for mitch i love it do you think it's one of the best episodes we've done liam oh absolutely yeah yeah i had a blast we ought to get Devin and Paige back. We we do, yeah. We'll just have to find another. Actually, I know just the movie for the next season to have them back on. Mm. What is it? Um, it's this Three Musketeers movie that we used to watch when we were kids, but all the Musketeers are mice, and it's animated. I think it's from Poland, or it's it's a European cartoon. But it, we saw it like with an English dub, and it's genuinely great. And I would love to watch it with you guys. Is this like the Mickey Mouse one? No, no, that's the Three Mouseketeers. This is oh, like okay. a, a more obscure movie. I'm gonna have to, <laughs> I have to look it up. But that I'm definitely putting that in the next season with Devin and Paige. Cool. Yeah. Okay. So that's that. We know what Mitch's number three will be next year. 
I like to think that uh, my my magnificent obsession pick is also a good, more subjective one. Not that the movie's not great, but it caught people out. I think we're doing a good job mixing those things in. We are. Yeah, I mean, I might like revise my top three a bit if I didn't sleep for like five hours before we did this. But uh, yeah, two a.m. shifts. Yay! Anyway, um, <laughs> relatable. I'm doing it tomorrow. Let's fucking go. Woo! Woo! Uh, my number two. We've talked about it already. Actually, if you can believe it, it, it might Star be another surprise. Maybe not. A Star is Born. Yeah. That really? Is, that is, yeah. Nice. That's what I was yeah. Wow. Yes. Yeah. I was worried that nobody would do it because we were so down with that movie, and then I hadn't heard uh, it until then, and it seemed yeah. a bit high for it. Um, no, man, that movie is exceptional. Yeah. Um, I was in awe of that movie the whole time. And like you've already explained it quite quite well, but like it's it's just a movie where everything worked, and it's also the it's it's a kind of movie that again I didn't have a lot of experience with. I will say we've had good luck with musicals on this show for mm-hmm. me. I keep saying I'm not a musicals guy, and then we keep watching musicals that I like. So maybe that's just a lie. Maybe I just am. I don't know. Uh, but I don't know, man. Like. We already said it all, but like everything in A Star Is Born is great. The performance is great. The production design is great. Um, the the story's so moving and so so like I don't know. Everything just works. It's just great. I don't know. That's all I yeah. got. It's just so to, good. I have to backpedal a bit. Not that this is not to detract from your point, but the movie I was thinking of with that I want to do is the three Mouseketeers. So I actually misremembered, but it's from 1991. Anyway, a star is born. Like, and um, just like, and like Judy Garland, like it was the movie. I know like the wizard of Oz exists and like everybody has seen it, but like this was really the movie that made me like see Judy Garland and just be like in shock. She's like, a force of nature. She's in incredible. It's so there's so much oomph for want of a better word behind every every minor and major thing that she's doing in this movie and every the dancing the singing the yeah. the perfor- like it's all it's, just it's a heartbreaking so, performance it's I'm, exquisite it's so good I'm, man i'm holding back like like tears when i watch it cuz it, it's it's so sad it's so true to life it, it's so it's so pure and you can tell that she's wrestling with her demons while she's yeah. doing it it's a stirring performance and if you know anything about the life of judy garland and and what she went through as a person and and with stardom at such a young age it's it's just to see it being grappled with so directly, movie. yeah, man. I don't know. The Star Wars yeah. is awesome. I love movies like that, like Sunset Boulevard and other other movies, uh, The Bad and the Beautiful, films about Hollywood from the fifties that kind of ex- uh, explore that emerging um, obsession of the, the people had with stardom at the time, and and how ruthless like the press were and the media machine, and 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 uh, just like the industry at the time, so cynical and so brave. I think for the time to kind of lash out at the industry and to say how fucked up it was during the height of the studio system because it was fucked up, and uh, just to see this sort of piece from that time so pointed at, at that is is. Uh, just a, a really great piece and also like it, it echoes i think how fucked up it was because it was it was too powerful in a lot of ways and and also just such like a dense work that it, it it's a lost film for that reason it got torn it got cut to ri- ribbons um because of it because it was so daring 
So, yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And like, again, like this is... I said there wasn't much between my top four. And I think A Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is maybe the more on-brand choice. But I want to give credit to these two in part because they're the off-brand choice for me. But they, they were such great experiences cinematic experiences that even though they're they're sort of classics in their own right like people know about these movies i'm not necessarily like championing like an unsung house of wax kind of situation potentially but um when they hit they hit and um i wanted it was it was very tough calls but i knew that they were from the second i made the list the top four was immediate and um yeah star is born so good fuck yeah sick that's a great movie so good did you remember that one and they're both from the same year so i just wanted to you know you no know. St- star is born sticks out for sure yeah that movie's love awesome dude. it was it was we awesome. all love that one yeah yeah what a picture i'm glad i'm glad that the that that pick's getting some representation and some love yeah hell yeah what about uh liam you got number two here no, I didn't actually do a number two. Oh, interesting. Okay, so, okay, okay, I'll so, that. Yeah, Mitch, what do you got? How about it, Mitch? Are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> like, seriously, what's your fucking number two? Do I have I to, like, that, turn you upside work. down and shake it what? out of your pond? in Ontario. <laughs> I'm, just di- I'm, just, I'm just dying to know what Mitch's number two is. Um, my number two That's what it is... is, okay. is um, sorry, that wasn't an intentional... Um, I'm not stalling. I just wanted to whip it. Okay, yes. My number two is The Blob. Number the blob two! From, from 1988. I nice. I have a feeling we're going to be talking I was a lot wrong. about that movie later. What's your number one, then? <laughs> it's The Blob again. Ah, okay. Tell me about <laughs> The Blob. You, you know how you have ties, Corey? I, I need to give honor to great movies by just having it at two numbers. <laughs> List them twice. You, you had I said I don't. Movies. I had nine. This is my personal That's right. Oh Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> um, my number two is the Blob. Yes, the Blob is an incredible film. We talked about it very recently, um, and so I still feel the way I did about everything um, I said in that movie. But to give you the cliff notes, um, the effects are absolutely incredible my favorite practical effects in any movie. Um, and that translates with the kills, you know, because when the practical effects are, are having at it, people are getting killed and it is absolutely incredible. So many cool kills in this movie. Um, and beyond that, you've got, um, a Stephen King esque story of this sort of small town characters who are fulfilling these archetypes but as the movie goes on you realize that there's more to them than an archetype um and you follow them as this story is unfolding very much in the vein of uh um something like uh what what was it i was talking about here as you follow um it's it's a lot like uh 
Texas Chainsaw or Child's Play where like you latch onto these characters and then you just hang out with them. Oh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. That's what it is. You get this core group of characters and then they are just experiencing this wild thing and you go along the ride with them and um, you learn to love the characters and every once in a while you just get punched in the face by a wicked blob that is just blobbing people. I love the twist that it does to update it for the 80s where you've got a greater social commentary that's critical of the government and critical of um, uh, power in general and and these adults who are think that they can exert power over these kids in very subtle ways too. Um, it's not... It really isn't archetypal. It seems like it's going to be. And even those adult characters are fleshed out and you, you're not aware right away that they're, they're bad people. Um, in fact, I bet some people could watch the movie and be like, I don't think they're bad people. Um, they, they all feel very real. Um, but it also just feels perfectly written. You know, this isn't a slice of life, life movie. It is just a perfectly written story. And you're following these characters as they are just having the wildest night you can imagine. Um, and I, th- I think this is a perfect masterpiece. I, I can't think of really anything that I would change about this movie. Um, I think it is just totally gangbusters. Um, amazingly entertaining movie kevin dylan's mullet and his motorcycle tricks um yeah it's just uh it's a a character-based horror movie that i really think is like fun for the whole family like this movie is just so accessible um but is also pretty deep and uh so you're two for two on horror movies with uh movie theater sequences now yeah, uh, that is that is really one of my favorite locations uh, to happen in horror movies. Um, so I'm I'm down to I'm down to champion that. All right, Mitch. What what about your number two? My number two, Blob is... Me Captain. Dude, if Silent it was like partner, oh, are you no. serious? The How were we partner. one off twice in a row? No, well, yeah. Well, that's we we know we know each other well, just not well enough. Not well enough. Um, I uh, maybe one of the greatest Christmas movies ever made. Um, I think 1970s Toronto is an incredible vibe. Um, just a great setting for this sort of neo noir, and I love movies from the Canadian sort of tax haven era. era. Um, and I think this is one of the best. Uh, an extraordinary game of cat and mouse between two actors who I admire greatly, Elliot Gould and Christopher Plummer. Got a noteworthy supporting cast. Really fun to see young John Candy when he was fairly obscure. Um, it's it's just an incredible movie full of shocks and twists and turns. And it's Neo Hitchcocky and, and Elliot Gould. I could watch him do like literally anything. I could watch him like read the newspaper and it would probably be interesting. He's, he's such a charismatic actor. Um, 
God, there's just so much to say about this movie. The, the the scene with the switcheroo with the apartment where where he like sneaks out the back way and and Christopher Plummer breaks in and he gets him to go to jail on a different charge by like calling from a phone booth. Like that whole sequence where he looks through the mail slot with those deadly dangerous eyes and calls him from the phone booth and they're talking. There's there's shades of strangers on a train in this movie. Um and just some really shocking unsettling violence too that comes out of nowhere it's a really satisfying ending i it's it's a win all around <laughs> for me and uh so oh yeah um <laughs> uh, liam just sent a, a photo of elliot gould's son jason gould who's still like a, a boy in the photo with his mother and father elliot gould and barbara streisand <laughs> legendary parent Duo. Uh, Elliot Gould was the coolest motherfucker ever. Um, and he fucked moms. He sure did. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's my there, number there's two. There's one right there. That's my number two. I, I think it's a really excellent thriller. I think it might be the best thriller we watched all year. Um, what? It's got, it's got it. Well, actually, no, because well, <laughs> I figure your number movie. one has to be our best thriller. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't even know if I, I mean I consider number one to be a thriller, but it's also so much more. Sure. Um, Agent Cody yeah. Banks two is also number one. A th- good thriller, Agent Cody Banks two, full of thrills. Anyway, that's that's my number two. Any questions? No questions. I mean, I knew oh, you sir. loved that movie, and I love that movie too. Santa um, Claus on the escalator firing like a firing a handgun in the Eaton Center. Just oh incredibly evocative image. Uh dude. That I think, I it's think so about crazy that it's the fucking Eaton Center. <laughs> yeah. It's a wonderful movie. And and just I love I love to see Canada represented and you especially didn't really see it that much in the seventies. So uh with those tax haven movies it's usually pretending to be somewhere else and even today movies that are shot in Toronto pretend to be somewhere else. So yeah, it's just a really great and I love 70s neo noir, so it just makes sense that this is my number 2. Nice dude. It, that movie also um has an undercover candidate for best kill with the fish tank when the yeah. fish tank breaks and the shard of glass. Oh my gosh. Holy Was shit. not That's... expecting that. Brilliant brilliant film work. All right. Uh I guess I'll hand it over to um Corey. Drum roll, please. Crunchitize me, Captain. Yeah, it's the blob. <laughs> yeah, no surprises there. No nice. surprises there. That's why I did a half-assed drum roll. Dude, fuck. Like, I know Liam just said a lot of it. Um, but he's right. Uh <laughs> like watch and we watched that movie together, so I think it's fun that it's so high for both of us because it's cool to have a movie watching experience that's that sick with other people um but no it's a movie where everything is everything works and it's perfect um no notes at all genuinely none um the effects are incredible um the lights lighting is incredible the production design is cool the the monster is so great um kevin dillon is awesome i don't know why we didn't get a lot more kevin dillon um i really like um shawnee smith i think all the performances are great um it takes such unexpected turns like the twist not just with like that the government had made had made the blob 
but like it, it just no surprises there. <laughs> no surprises there. That's classic U.S. government behavior. But I don't Especially know. It's all, it's all so. It's just. It's perfect. It's perfect. Genuinely, I think it's perfect. I don't know. I don't know what else to say about it. I agree right, with you. Leave it there then. Um, it is kind of wild though, Corey, that we've now done this top ten this is about to be the third time as we finish this and you and I have never had the same number one unless we of course count big, your uh, retcon of throwing the invisible man invisible way man. up yeah. yeah I don't think we should count that because even though it's how I felt it's not what I wrote so we gotta be true to what I wrote as much as what I felt so not quite what? yet we're close yeah, one day it'll this happen. And now, one. now with Mitch here, the odds are even more likely that one day we will have yeah. similar number ones. Maybe, uh, maybe Mitch will help you out here with the blob. Yeah, this is the closest we've gotten to to it, though. Number one, number two is pretty good. That is good. Yeah, yeah. Big, big credit to the blob, really, more than anything. I think the last but, movie uh, to pull that off was, I think, Prom Night Two. I think you won to Prom, Prom Night, Night Two. Didn't... Really? Hit oh no, you you must yeah. have won Brady Bunch. You said. I did, but Prop Night 2 must have been top three. Well, well. Must have been. Yeah, we've seen a lot of great movies on this podcast. Um, I'll tell you about another one. I know it is not either of your number ones because it has come up already. My number one is, uh, I'm sorry to say, none of you guessed it. If we're going by record. It's it's Funny Games 2007. Fuck! Ah, <laughs> no! Fuck! No! <laughs> no! No! <laughs> Son of a bitch! Nothing funny about this! It's oh people! My gosh. <laughs> They're you guys gotta, people! You, you guys gotta get the remote and rewind the podcast and do it over and make your guesses different. Yeah. You make talked it, me out the, of the it, fatal you mistake. shit! <laughs> the fatal <laughs> mistake. <laughs> When I changed for fucking nightmare on Elm. Fuck! I'm so I did. mad, dude. I'm, I, I, I okie doke to you, Corey. I'm gonna piss my Fuck! pants, dude. I'm so mad. <laughs> Out of anger. Yeah, I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna frown real I'm hard gonna, and just piss my little pants. I'm gonna rage piss. I'm rage pissing. Uh, my <laughs> I'm oh, so I'm mad. gonna piss. Um. Fuck. Anyway, was it the NASCAR? Um. The NASCAR didn't hurt, it. didn't hurt it. Didn't hurt it. Funny um, game. Fuck. Yeah, it dude. Right this. There. <laughs> yeah. This is um a childhood favorite of mine, and I'm I'm just I'm, <laughs> I was a fucked up kid, <laughs> but I'm I'm happy to report that it has uh it is, is it, it held up for me as an adult because I've uh, many childhood favorites, some of which we did on this podcast, did not hold up for me. Um. And this one is, it still speaks right to me. I think it is, um, I think it is just so confident in itself. And I just really connect with what it's saying and how it's saying it. I think it does um, what a lot of my favorite movies do, where I just, I find it really entertaining um as, as strange as it is i i love the home invasion subgenre i like the game subgenre which is sort of a thing in horror movies um 
And so I, I like watching how this night unfolds for these, uh, this family as these two, these two um, posh guys show up to their house and uh, start um, holding them hostage. I like watching that unfold. And then there are just wrinkles all throughout the movie that get my mind wondering. They increase the tension and the horror within the movie and they also make me think about horror movies and movies um and and what their effect is and they also make me think about uh like humanity and how people are capable of evil and the more i've thought about it in putting this movie as number one on my list this movie feels very similar to scream for me the original scream where i am entertained by it um but i also think it is horrifying and i think it approaches that horror in kind of similar ways um that really connect with me in sort of this meta contextual self-reflexive winking at the audience sort of way um scream does it within the slasher subgenre and so it ends up being a bit more um entertaining and and capital it ends up being capital e entertaining and it ends up being a bit comedic but you know i've said i don't think scream is a comedy horror and funny games though i am entertained watching this story unfold it is it is pitch black you know this is a, a drama horror movie this is not a comedy but it is clever and it is um it, it's got something to say and i just love listening to it say those things. Uh, I love thinking about it. I love the actors all around. Um, like Michael Pitt and, and Brady Corbett are both two of my all-time favorite actors, as is Naomi Watts. Um, Naomi Watts, perhaps my favorite actress. Um, and I just think it is just a uh, such a tight, movie that scares me makes me think makes me want to show it to people um i want to re-watch it over and over um so it has all these qualities of movies i love and it's number one because it is um it just it has that dramatic emotional weight that these other movies don't have and I wouldn't want them to because like the blob and house of wax, those are both 10 out of 10 and funny games is a 10 out of 10, but it just, uh, it speaks to me in a way that I've just got to separate it from those other more fun movies. Um, and really put this one up on the pedestal because it, it means so much. Now you me. and you and I watched this movie. Uh, we watched the original together and then we, wa- we watched it the remake does Mm -hmm. does that and like the discussion have any bear like the quality of the discussion have any bearing on this pick um or is it just the like the nostalgia it doesn't it's not yeah it's uh i loved our discussion and i think we had a great discussion because um we were both very invested in the movie and so i think uh if i didn't love the movie as much as i as I do, um, it wouldn't have been as good of a discussion. Um, mm. 
makes sense. So yeah, the the discussion isn't influencing me, but it, it I mean it certainly it made me appreciate the movie more hearing you guys talk about it and and getting to say my thoughts as well. Um, but I think it would have been number one regardless. Like I did a. Uh, a tweet maybe like four years ago or something. I think some some people that I follow on Twitter were just like posting their top 10 horror movies or something. And I, th- I threw one out there um, and Funny Games was on it. I think it was uh, maybe four out of top five of all time favorite horror movies. Like it's just, it's always been a movie that's that's really close to me. And when I watch it now, it's not even nostalgia because I've seen it so many times and it feels like such a uh an adult movie that it just it feels like i'm just grateful to have uh been close to the this movie all this time and not come to it late but um uh nostalgia is sort of separate because I, I even as a kid, I was like, I'm going to have to grow into this movie. I like watching it, but I'm going to have to figure this movie out. And now that I'm older, it feels like I have caught up to the movie. Whereas movies that I'm more nostalgic for, it feels like when I watch them, I am returning to the views that I had as a kid. And that's really fun. Um, whereas when I watch this movie, I'm I'm in it as an adult because it, it sort of demands that of me nice yeah so i guess it's, it's my number one huh i would love to hear it my friend so my number one is sorcerer nice it was not uh, even you... on my radar to guess that for your favorite and really i, just, Corey, I figured yeah? it would just be high up but not it was on liam's one. radar yeah it was it was either that or the silent mm. partner and in my memory of our episodes, I just thought that I could remember a bit more um, critiques for Sorcerer than Silent Partner. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, Sorcerer is on my list for a number of reasons. Again, it's interesting that two sort of 70s neo-noirs are at the top. But I think Sorcerer has a fascinating production history and, and with the reception afterwards, how it you know, came out the same week as Star Wars. And it's sort of emblematic of an older style a blockbuster movie and uh, Star Wars being the new, but that doesn't discredit its quality. I think um, it's a really unique movie. The structure is, is unusual and great. I love the wages of fear. I might almost like it more than I like sorcerer. Uh, I'm not sure. I, I hum and ha. I go back and forth. Um, that's another one I'd like to have us watch just, uh, you know, cause we've seen sorcerer now. I feel like it'd be fun to compare and contrast, but uh, yeah, just a foot, a sensational location work, uh, just gr- a grueling production, um, really interesting performances, even though like they weren't Friedkin's first choice. I mean, Roy Scheider wasn't necessarily his first. I think he wanted Steve McQueen for the part, but um, it's, it's just a wonderful movie. Great soundtrack, this sort of psychedelic, a uh, grueling mission about these guys carrying nitroglycerin through a ter- like terrible terrain. I think did we have Cameron on that discussion? I think we did. We did. Um, we did. And I didn't remember that until I went back and looked at all of our episodes. Not like I just I don't know why, but I was like a pleasant surprise where I was like, Cam was on. Let's go. Yeah, so <laughs> that was also a fun aspect for that discussion. Even if he is a mean piece of shit to me. Um, <laughs> wow. But, okay. but uh, yeah, no. The he lives in your house. One. You can't say shit like that. He's yeah. gonna. 
to come after you. Yeah, I know. But uh, anyway, so yeah. Also, the soundtrack by Tangerine Dream. Uh, brilliant. Mamma Mia, we had a so, baby. It's a boy. Yeah, that's my number one. Um, now, in terms of my, I'm going to just maybe pivot to my honorable mentions right now. Yeah, we should um, rattle those off fast because we've been going for a long time. Yeah, I'm going to rattle them off real quick. Uh, honorable mention number one, Inspector Gadget 2. We did it with Abigail. It was a fun episode. It didn't make the list because I don't think it's a good movie, but it was, Abigail's a delight. She's so likable and funny. So, you know, it was a fun app. Um, a Very Brady sequel also made it onto the honorable mentions, Let's and go. As, as did Magnificent Obsession, which I, I think probably oh, should have made it, but crazy. a tough decision. Liam, what were your honorable mentions? My honorable mentions, um, the first would be John Wick 3, which was on my top 10 until I noticed that I had missed Invasion of the Body Snatchers, so it got bumped. Um, Power Rangers, which I'm actually surprised wasn't on Corey's list. Um, Liam? Yeah. It it briefly was. I'm dead serious. (laughs) No, I I believe you, dude. In fact, (laughs) as things were going on, I was like, is this Corey's number one? <laughs> no, uh, it's my worst list. Oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> um, Texas Chainsaw 2 was there. Hamlet 2 is an honorable mention. Um, I was uh, surprised you got nobody pulled the trigger on putting that in their top 10. I, I really liked that movie. Yeah, I, yeah. I was like, is it just recency bias? I don't know. So, um, like Sorcerer would be an honorable mention as well. Um, I found the beginning was just a bit plodding for me, um, but once it gets into the heat and they're transfer transporting the the dynamite, oh, right there until the end, incredible movie. Um, yeah, so Sorcerer is an honorable mention. You know, I could go on and on, but th- those are five that that I really liked. Nice. So I got some here. Uh, one of my first honorable mentions is Metropolis. Yes. Um, really Great good movie. episode. Love to have Jade on. Um, but also just a really unique movie. It's not so anything like what we usually talk about. Um, not just visually, but like it's it's a really beautiful movie, and that kind of animation was really exciting, and you know, getting that different kind of narrative perspective as well. Really cool. I loved that episode. It was it was in contention for list stuff for a little while. Power Rangers is on my honorable mention, iconic episode. And uh, in hindsight, that movie grew on me a little bit, for sure. Even more um, better than it had any right to be by a significant margin. Um, I've got Diary of a Wimpy Kid in my honorable mentions because of how good that episode is. Oh, nice. (laughs) Um, And I've also got uh, Scream 2022 or Scream 5 or whatever uh, because I had to get it in somewhere. And then I also just have a note that says U.S. Marshall's Chicken Suit. Mm, honorable mention to the chicken suit only. chicken suit from u.s marshals nice. um i'm gonna give a list of some of the movies that i thought were atrocious here are some of the movies i thought were the bad ones um sex in the city 2 is this mm. an order or is this just no particular order no uh, sex in the city 2 is probably the worst one um <laughs> okay it's great oh, episode. I missed, I missed that episode. Dude, that episode with Laura and Madeline is so good. Unhinged stuff going on in there. And in that movie, absolutely fucked movie. Just incomprehensible movie. Fucking Dr. Dad showing up in the middle of that like bizarre. How bizarre yeah, indeed. That was Shit's my crazy. That was my original least favorite until I squinted a bit harder and saw what else was on the list. But Oh, I've got a few other there. things on my worst oh. of list. Don't you worry. 
Uh, I've also got Halloween Kills. Ooh, fuck that nice. movie! Damn, just I I deeply resent that movie, <laughs> dude. It's so bad. Um, occasionally there's a cool thing in it, but most of it's really bad. Evil dies tonight. Um, Punk's dead. SLC Punk two, bad movie. Woof. Um, really bad movie. <laughs> um, and uh, Home Sweet Home Alone, painful viewing experience. Truly, mm. I want to steal a doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dude, honestly, Mitch, perfect impression, and I know that because it immediately made me grit my teeth and seethe with rage. I'm pissing my pants right now. <laughs> I'm pissing and shitting with rage. <laughs> All right, Liam, how about your worst ones? Yeah, so... um. Uh, before I say all my worst ones, I'll say some movies that I think are uh, I was disappointed by, but I think they're great episodes. So these are sort of recommendations for people to listen to, um, but I, I I didn't like the movies as much as I as I thought I would. Um, so that's Halloween Kills. I think that's an awesome episode. I, agree. Um, I I'm not as down on it as Corey. I'd give that one like a, a six out of ten. Um, but uh, disappointing. VHS ninety four. I love that episode. Um, and I in fully fact, expected that to make a top ten. Yeah, that it's it's closer to an honor roll mention than it is a bottom of the list. But it would be it would be more near the 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 the, the bot. It's like I guess it'd be maybe like mid pack of movies we've done. Um, but I think it's a great episode. Candyman would be pretty far down on the list of movies we've done and i think it's a fantastic episode <clears throat> and when a stranger calls i think is a fantastic episode and that is a movie that the nostalgia did not help me out on um because i thought that movie was really rough um and it is uh kind of my bag and it was rough and then least favorites just bottom of the barrel stuff that pissed me off uh we've got sex in the city too SLC Punk 2, um, both just uh, anger-inducing. Um, yeah. I'm sorry to Mitch for these next two. Inspector Gadget 2 is right down there for me, as is um, probably actually my number two worst is uh, The Postman Always Rings Twice. And that yeah. is, that's a perfect example to me of like, I've just got to be subjective and remove objectivity because, you know, the acting is good. Um, we've got a lot of uh, really notable people who have Beautiful done great stuff work. otherwise. Absolutely. But what the movie is saying and how it says it, and once it's all done, I just think it is totally uh, worthless and embarrassing for all involved. Yeah. Um, yeah. And my number one absolute worst is Home Sweet Home Alone. Good choice. Fuck that movie. Yeah, yeah fuck that movie. I want to tell the doll. I want to steal the doll. Um, yeah, so here's, here's my five worst. At number five, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Sorry, Jay. That's toxic. Nice. Uh, nice. Uh, at we number stand. four. At number four, Evil oh, Dies Tonight, Grinch. Halloween Kills. I, I, hmm. Yeah, fuck, fuck the Grinch. I'm sorry. Fuck no, Tim I Perry. will fuck the Grinch. Oh, oh shit. We sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I, I thought that's what the episode was about, wasn't it? Your preferences. Anyway. Anyway. So, <laughs> uh, number four, Halloween Kills, Evil Dies Tonight, baby. Fuck that movie. 
fuck Evil that died tonight though like fuck I, everything that movie represents i started watching that movie again two nights ago um and Why? i fell asleep Why? after well the new one's coming out and like i said it's a six out of ten for me i don't hate it as much as you guys but uh, it's on your uh, it's on your worst lo- worst list isn't it or no no, it was no like, kind of like disappointing it's, it's watch the episode yeah, yeah it's mid um oh. i i i fell asleep after the big flashback opening at the beginning because mm, um, i was sleepy but so far not promising uh my my thoughts have not changed so far i have to i have to ask sorry i mean i know we're talking about mine now but your pick for inspector gadget 2 did you think the episode was good great episode yeah absolutely Um, in fact if the movie movie. yeah if the movie was um just a bit better i would have put it on the uh the list of watch this episode but this movie disappointed me but I thought the movie was bad enough that I would have to have to put it down there. But I think I think Postman Rings Twice, I think Sex in the City 2, Inspector Gadget 2, I think those are great episodes. I think when I really dislike a movie, uh, the episodes tend to be good. You know, it's it's the stuff yeah. more in the middle of the pack that maybe the episodes uh, are a bit boring, if there are boring episodes. Yeah. So my number three pick, Punk is Dead, SLC Punk 2. Uh, fuck that movie. Fuck Machine Gun Kelly in that movie. Fuck everything about that. Like, I hated that movie. That movie just felt like an utter waste of my time. And I see enough of Machine Gun Kelly already without my consent, you know, on social media and stuff. So having to actually go in and do this was just a bad time. Cringy dude. Cringe movie. Because even like before he was famous, he's just this awkward, like, gangly edgelord. Terrible. Um, Number two. Postman Always Rings Twice. That movie was a real stinker. Mitch, um, nice. That's a cool. Complete, a, a complete disappointment for me too. Um, yeah, I, I, an upset. Um, Vindicated. And then number one, no surprise for the worst movie we saw all year. <laughs> I want to steal it all. Home it's sweet just, home alone. That know, movie I, is, is offensive to me, like uh, morally. I'm prepared um, to say that that was worse than Sex in the City too. Actually, I think we're all in agreement. I never saw Sex in the City. I dodged that bullet. So Sex in the City too. You can at least have fun with how bad it is. I want to steal the doll, mom and dad. I'm going to kill these <laughs> desperate poor people. Dude, that impression is so good. It's so good. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I hate that movie so much. I'm honestly like losing steam just thinking about it. Okay, let's keep going. Okay, we're almost there. We're almost there. Um. What was uh, the best bit interpreted however you chose to interpret it? Um, you're first. About it, Mitch? Oh, yeah. Corey, you go first. That's right. Um, so I had a, I have um, a couple different interpretations of this. So one is I think our attachment to Roderick is a good podcast bit that I like a lot. Um, the He's the best. Long live the king! Um, it's all about the game and how you play this, it. This also might be recency bias because uh, my best bit is actually not from a very Brady sequel, although there are many. It's the rice scene from A Better Tomorrow 2. Oh, fuck. That was on mm. mine. So fucking funny. Nice. That was one of mine. Apologize to the rice. <laughs> it's really that, good. That movie kind of snuck through, hey? No top 10 love, but. No, no chance. It's a good one. But no chance. <laughs> no, it's a good one, but I think it's maybe two, if we were like two. ranking dudes, that's a movie's got a bunch of good dudes in it. If but like, we're ranking rice scenes. Number one, yeah, hell yeah. Uh, yeah. What are you guys? Um, um for me, uh, I, I I answered both two different ways. I got funniest bit, um, 
as the podcast pertains. And uh, for me, it's in the Phantom of the Opera episode, which I was not really? on. And so maybe that's why it's memorable for me. I, I just I listened to this episode as a listener. And uh, when Mitch and Corey get on with their radio voices and Corey keeps using this. We do work in radio that that makes you guys sound like old timey radio. And you guys are yeah. just like saying ridiculous things, I guess. That's <laughs> I guess like knowing that it's going to have a filter on it or not caring if it doesn't have a filter, but it did have a filter, which made it all the funnier. And so the, my funniest bit of the season would just be that radio voice. I got to go um, listen to that again because I don't remember a lot of what we specifically said. Yeah, I was it did go on up. for a long time. And, and it's going to inspire maybe a secret, ep- or not a secret, but a, a secret upcoming project. A special project. Say. A special radio show project, but that's all I'm going to say. Oh yeah, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, and my funniest scene that was witnessed in a movie—I uh, got to bring up my darling Texas Chainsaw 22. Um, and it is the the fantastic ending scene where I guess I said I don't want to spoil, so I, I won't spoil. But let's say um, just say you're spoiling, it and people can tune out for 20 seconds. We already do spoil it. I mean, we, they've been listening for three hours. It's fine. Leatherface <laughs> shows up and uh, decapitates someone, and it. I was guffawing. It is absolutely hilarious and incredible yeah that is good so and and i I thought the movie was over i thought this was the kind of movie it is and then leatherface (laughs) shows up and i was like that's when i knew i was like i have to immediately watch this movie again because this movie is fucking on one amazing honestly good point. it's definitely on one but you know all right so my my bit uh i also i also wrote down the rice bit um because it was hilarious but in terms of bits and sort of things that i find memorable i was just thinking about this the other day it might not be like the biggest one kind of a sleeper but it's that one kid at the agent cody banks to summer camp who's like cody look out or like help and there's like that totem pole on like a rope coming right for him and i've always hated that fucking shit ever since i was a kid like that little shit i've hated him and um I hated that performance. Like I can remember getting like viscerally mad when I was a boy and um, like you helpless, like sod, like get out of the way. Like you're like the Lord only helps those who helps themselves. Um, So yeah, I just remember my hatred for that kid and the fact that I still felt it this time around when I'm an adult and, and you know, have sympathy for child actors, but no. Um, Yeah. So that, Nice, dude. <laughs> Unexpected choice. A sleeper hit, one might say. A sleeper hit. That kid from Agent Cody Banks 2 that I fucking hated who has like a bit part. He's probably like our age now. And like if he listens, he's probably going to be like in tears. But oh, well. He'll be fine. He'll be fine. Most Summer rewatchable. Cody, look out. Tell it, okay. Corey. Uh, it's either Tokyo Drift or a very pretty sequel. <laughs> Sick. Uh, for me, I could basically pick most of the movies from my top 10, except I guess not funny games, because that's probably not most rewatchable to most people. But I love movies that are most rewatchable. I gave this one to The Blob. Cool. That's another. It was close for me, but I already gave The Blob some chops at beginning number one. So I figured I would yeah. diversify my portfolio. I have uh, for mine Sorcerer. Um, 
I've seen that movie so many times. It might not be rewatchable to everyone else, but to me, I, every time I watch it, I, I just still find it like exhilarating, and I find the soundtrack um, just great. So uh, that movie is one that I've rewatched many, many times. So I think for me, it's the most rewatchable. Nice, best soundtrack, Sorcerer. Yeah, Tangerine Dream, House of Wax. I said. Wow, I don't even got, remember that one. I don't even remember uh, it. Dude, we've got Deftones. We've got true, My yeah, Chemical Romance burning yeah. out. We've That's got true. Interpol. We've got uh, Disturbed. Um, Marilyn Manson even shows up, which is uh, just a mid-2000s vibe. Um, so I, nice. I love that, that, that shit. Uh, I'm actually going to do Best Kill last because I think we might have more to elaborate on that. Well, I haven't so, done soundtrack yet. Oh, did you not? I thought you said Sorcerer. No. I said yes, but I actually have a tie. Um, and it's because I love the way that I so it's Sorcerer, but I also have Magnificent Obsession because I love the way that like the, the these classical sc- like music, the classical music is kind of like rearranged for Douglas Sirk's kind of melodrama and how it's deployed throughout that movie. I think music does so much of the lifting in, in Sirk's movies and accompaniment with his sort of... Um, impressionistic style or expressionistic style i should say um you know i uh so yeah i i I, even though like it's not like original it's just like these sort of uh melodramatic classical tunes that are kind of reworked for that genre and and deployed to really successful ends sick that's that's Uh, a great description liam shall we announce our favorite breakfast updates i'm going to pass on this one because it feels like self-aggrandizement okay so Liam, what was yours? Mine was House of Wax. Mine was also House of Wax. Mitch whips out the sword. I'm in, a, he... I'm in a pit of vipers in a House of Wax. <laughs> oh yeah, and it's, yeah, it starts in it's media so res. Funny. <laughs> it's, it's, it's Mitch. I've known you for like eight years or something, seven or eight years, which is crazy. Yeah, uh, that that is old. one of the funniest things you've ever done. <laughs> That's kind of sad. I, I didn't think it was that funny, but Dude, all right. no, it's it's so good. It's so good. You got to give yourself more credit. Well, I've always so thought of funny. myself as a bit of a comedian, and I thought it's that that so... was kind of lowbrow. Get back! <laughs> uh, but like, the one where the, the one where Mitch is eating blueberries is uh, also <laughs> fire. Yeah, there's going to be some more coming. I've kind of I've kind of uh, stopped. But, so, listener, if you're still listening, there might even also, be one for this one. The first one's iconic, the Chaz baby. Yeah. Chaz baby when we went to get brunch. Yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. What was the best kill in one of these movies, fellas? How about it, Corey? Well, I asked, but okay. Um, <laughs> uh, recency bias, maybe a little bit, but I said the kitchen sink and the blob. Yeah, that's pretty fucking dope. That's great. So we, we could gnarly. all say kills from the kills blob, from the different, different, different kills, yeah. and it would it would check out. Like, I think of the car one where her face deflates. Um, And I also think of the phone booth where she just gets blasted by the blob. Great stuff. Um, For me, I picked a kill from a movie none of us have even uttered the title of today. Um, It was on my top 10 at one point and uh, just kind of got brushed off. But I, I do really, really love this movie. Cabin Fever 2, Spring Fever. 
Uh, Mitch, I'm sorry you had to miss this one. Um, But Cabin Fever 2 has an incredible kill in it. You guys... If you're interested at all in like gore and kills and stuff, you don't have to watch the movie. Just find this scene in Cabin Fever 2. A character gets killed by a fire extinguisher getting yes. into the yeah. head. Yeah. And it is a damn shame that that kill isn't talked about more. I don't need people to talk about the movie more. I think the movie is weak in places, but that kill deserves a whole lot of credit. It is terrifying and there are a lot of different um fire extinguisher kills or like blunt object to the head kills in in horror movies or in dramatic movies some of them do it and i i think cabin fever 2 is like right up there with the best it is it's just that one's gut-wrenching yeah good answer um what does mitch have yeah my favorite kill is the uh, Frosty Anvil kill from Jack Frost, Revenge of the Mutant <laughs> yes. Um uh, Just a, a great kill, and the whole sequence is ridiculous. Like The girl is like, I'm going to go into the woods and look for charcoal for my fire. And it's like, who the fuck finds charcoal in the woods? So you look for like kindling in the woods, not... Anyway, so that's like stupid. And then like these icicles fall and he keeps missing her and he's like, ah, oh, God damn it, I'm missing. And then he just turns into a big anvil and just like crushes her and then it pans down and shows just like this, this like pureed mess underneath of like limbs. And yeah, it's it's hilarious. Um, so yeah. I love that poll, Mitch. I'm glad, I'm glad you gave poll. Jack some credit or his anvil or whatever. Yeah. Um, that's everything we wanted to talk about, right? That's Do we want to quickly run through our top 10 list just in recap? Yes, yes sir. All right, Corey, you go first. Oh, Jesus, you keep putting me on the spot. Go first! Um, Child's Play 2, <laughs> When a Stranger Calls, Sorcerer, Beyond Skyline and Skylines, The Fast and the Furious, Tokyo Drift, A Very Brady Sequel, Shin Godzilla, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, Magnificent Obsession, A Star is Born, and The Blob. Nice. That seems like a lot of movies for a top ten, but fair yeah, enough. It's, it's a, a little bit, extra. A little heavy, Corey. <laughs> <laughs> a little heavy. Uh, my top ten is uh, ten: A Very Brady Sequel, nine: Jack Frost Two, eight: Scream Twenty Twenty Two, seven: Invasion of the Body Snatchers Nineteen Seventy, whatever it was, eight. S- six: Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Five, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2022. Four, Child's Play 2. Three, House of Wax 2005. Two, The Blob 1988. And f- one, Funny Games 2007. Nice. Uh, mine was number 10, Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. If I were to make a, a slight addendum, I might put Magnificent Obsession there. Number nine, Funny Games. Number eight, The Prisoner of Zenda. Not to be confused with the Princess of Zenda. Number seven, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules. Number six, Cape Fear. Number five, a Star is Born. Number four, Looney Tunes Back in Action. Number three, Cody Banks 2, Destination London. Number two, Silent Partner. Number one, Sorcerer. <laughs> that is a wild list, Mitch. Very like, different list. And it, it's also like, 
I think if you look at my list, you kind of know what movies I'm into. I think you look at Corey's list, you know what kind of movies Mitch or you know what kind of movies Corey's Who's into. Mitch I think into? I think if you look at Mitch's list, you don't actually have a great idea of all the movies Mitch is into because like Mitch is also like a horror guy and exploitation guy. And everybody it, that, puts me in a the corner. They say this is a Mitch <laughs> pick. This is a Mitch <laughs> pick. But I'm a man of eclectic taste. Th- those are still Mitch picks, though. That you just are. A lot of things can be a Mitch pick, but those are definitely still Mitch picks. I think. All right, I it's a great, own, it's a great I list. Man, I am an island. And uh, let's pour one well, out for uh, for the the few movies that didn't get any mentions today, like uh, Ghoulies Three, Bride of Reanimator, Lady Carrie. Snowblood, Carrie Two, yeah, Carrie, Carrie Two Thousand Two. Um, excuse you, Carrie Two is a fucking classic. Oh yeah, yeah. bigger part. Uh, Gator bait two, Cajun justice. Oh, who could forget? Man, we did we did name every movie we watched. House two, um, dirty rotten scoundrels. I think that's all of them. Like not bad movies, just kind of middle of the road. Harold and Kumar, three D Christmas. Oh yeah. We should have done a best Christmas movie pick too. Um. Yeah, I guess oh. I guess my pick would be uh, Jack Frost too. In that case, Jack Frost too. Yeah, mine would be a silent partner. Okay, there it is. Um. So that's a wrap. Uh, season four coming next week. We do not take breaks. That's not how the grind works. The grind never stops. Uh, usual Texas Chainsaw Massacre film incoming. Uh, we'll you figure out when a little bit later on. Uh, but we just want to say thank you to everybody for listening. We actually have one special message from a listener that i'm actually going to save and the only reason i'm going to save it is because we've been going so long and just logistically we need to stop (laughs) um so i'm gonna save that for next week so we can start the next season with a little bit of pat on the back i think that's fair for us um but i do want to say thank you um both to everybody who's been on the show this season which is actually a pretty extensive list as it turns out. Uh, so we had Laura and Madeline on. Cameron was on. Neil helped out with our uh, seance astrology bit. Ryan and Jade were both on the show. Liam O'Donnell on the show. Not to be confused with our Liam as well. Chaz, baby. Um, and uh, Mitch's entire family, as we talked about. Not my entire family. With, uh, well, Devin and Paige. Been. My parents, your, and my your dog. great sisters, uh, Abigail with the Inspector Gadget Two poll, uh, and also everybody who just tunes in regularly or gives us shoutouts. You, you guys know who you are. Thank you to Shane for sending us emails. Thank you to Danny for the message that we're going to get to. I promise. Just logistically, it's a mess. Thank you to to Greg and to Jeff for pushing for Power Rangers, and thank you to everybody. Everyone, um, thank you. We love you all. Yeah, you know who you are, and we really appreciate everybody taking the time to listen and following up and getting involved and making memes and reaching out to us and doing whatever, and we're really looking forward to continuing to do that. Um, yeah, not stopping now. <laughs> Having a good time. This was a great time. Is that it? Are we wrapping it? I think, I think it is yeah. a good time to call it. We've been recording for three and a half hours fuck yeah mitch for a last time in season three i've got a question uh i have no idea what it might be do you have anything you'd like to plug oh wow
I'm in a house of wax. <laughs> yes. Pipers in a house. A reunion. Damn, he, they got him. They got him. They being he didn't, the he didn't have the sword. That's the problem. No. Or the suit. I'm done, you devil. Oh, <laughs> shit, he got it. Oh, fuck. On, Never, dude, they're doomed man, now. <laughs> Never underestimate a Kodrowski while he's down. Unbeatable. Um, Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I have a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow, on Twitter and Letterboxd. You can find me under the username Graham the Mallow. Come on, plug the band too. Give I got a one. band. I got a band called Guest Room Status on Spotify and Apple Music and stuff. Uh, if you like rock and roll, check it out. If you like yelling, if you like guitars, if you like not yelling, you know, <laughs> they contain multitudes. Um, that will be in the description to the episode so people can check out Guest Room Status. Um, I've got two other podcasts because I resent the idea of having free time. Um, as mentioned with our pal Neil, uh, MK PodQuest, Mortal Kombat ephemera of various descriptions. Right now, episode commentaries for Mortal Kombat Conquest, the TV show from the 90s, as well as comic books. We're slowly working our way through Mortal Kombat Battle Wave and Blood and Thunder and all of these spinoffs. And most of them aren't very good. But if you want to hear us talk about them, we're having a pretty good time doing that. MK PodQuest and all of your services. Uh, if you want to hear me talk about F1 with our friend Callum, Strat2, short for the word strategy. It's an F1 podcast, Strat2F1 on Twitter. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, just me, the regular guy, Mr. Corey Price is where you find me there. Thank you all again for listening to this episode and every episode, not just of this season, but of the last three years of They Made Another One. Incredible that it's been that long. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find us on Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and what you'd like to see out of a season four, including threatening the return of the Genero. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson, who you can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And with all that out of the way, next week, we'll get back to our Texas Chainsaw Massacring Habits with the beginning of the fourth year... Have they made another one?